or look at your city or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast live each and every weeknight, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Folks, Global Star, that's the place to be. We also simulcast... uh uh, live on Blog Talk Radio, that's BTR, as well as, of course, you can view us on our YouTube channel. Just go to HagmanandHagman.com, click on the, uh, well, if you go to HagmanandHagman.com, there you'll, right, right front and center, it will, will be the evening's broadcast. And of course, HagmanReport.com, show prep information you need for, um, you need for the, the, the show and the important stories, of course, um, and important news broadcast. Now, again, we've got two, two separate websites. That's, uh, HagmanReport.com and, uh, HagmanandHagman.com. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, fellow investigator, researcher, Joe Hagman, uh, my son, together, something I like to call America's premier father, son investigative reporting team. We have a lot of news to get into tonight. Uh, at the uh, bottom of this hour, Josh Tully from the Josh Tully Show is going to be checking in with us from the Republican National Convention. A lot of news there, a lot of political news there. Joe, um, before I get started into uh, just, I want to I want to cover a couple of things here because I was watching the uh, uh, Baton Rouge situation develop as it happened. I was on the phone with uh, uh, law enforcement officers from that area, around that area. I was on the phone with uh, other sources, and I've got information to break, but uh, hey, it's good to have you. It's great to be here. Um, looking forward to the show tonight. we got a lot to cover, and we're going to do just that. Um, yeah. Like you said, Josh Tolley will be joining us at the bottom of this hour, live from Cleveland at the Republican National Convention. He's going to be there all week, and he's going to be providing us updates uh, as the convention progresses, you know, I, this weekend, uh, just very quickly, this weekend we were uh, we were contemplating uh, going to uh, the convention, and uh, there's a lot of reasons why we're not. 
a, a lot of reasons. Alshon did a great job uh, coming out of the gate with the uh, with, with the YouTube um, personal message he did. Of course, that is he, he's got a speaker's area there at the convention. I shouldn't say speaker's area, but he's going to be talking uh, at the con- from the convention, but not from inside, but from from uh, the uh, uh, to his own to, to his own audience, but. Um, but but anyway, we're we're going to be getting into that uh, uh, at the bottom of the first hour. But I would, Joe, I, would, I just want to right now get into something here. Um, that sounded like a almost like a dog howl there when you move that microphone. That's pretty pretty interesting. Um, obviously, I, I do want to bring this up. We we had a, a very a huge tragedy this weekend. Um, yes, we did. Well, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I don't really like the word tragedy because it implies something that, um, although it was tragic, it implies it was out of our hands basically. Um, meaning it was a tragedy. That word has different meanings to it, and I just I just don't like it applied in this situation. This was a crime. This was a terrorist attack. And folks, remember last week. And you can go back to last week when I spoke about the Nation of Islam and I talked about the zebra killings, if you remember that. I spoke about um, the the melding of the Nation of Islam, Black Lives Matter. I gave a lot of information. I think, this, Joe, this is when you were out. Uh, I, t- I talked about this. And I said at that time, and folks, uh, you can go back and, and run, the, run the feed, run the video. At that time, I spoke and said... Uh, that we were going to have more killings, and um, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's not over. It's just beginning. The ambush of police officers is just beginning. And you hear about the Baton Rouge and obviously the uh, the Dallas police officers, but there have been other cities across the nation where police officers have been ambushed from Missouri um, yep. Yep. to Virginia. Uh, another one happened. Um, I got it right here. I mean, there is no shortage of these shootings. What we're seeing in in clusters, though, are are Dallas and and in Baton Rouge. But but the police need to be careful because they have been obviously overtly targeted. Yeah, and 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 it's not just the the Black Lives Matter. It is also uh, the administration. Well, okay, and and, and this is, yeah, and this is the next couple of minutes here, next few minutes, this is kind of what I put together as I watched and as I watched everything unfold this weekend and as I spoke to my sources within law enforcement um, and I'm talking about municipal police officers and some, well, one um, federal and then two municipal law enforcement officers, one of one of the law enforcement officers in, in a city down south, not too far from Baton Rouge, and uh, uh, who had uh, colleagues, of course, affected uh, directly in Dallas. But but here's what I want to tell you about the killings in a microcosm sense, in a smaller sense, in a targeted sense, and then, of course, in a larger sense. Number one, folks, this is not going to be the last time that this happens in, in the near term. And I said that I said that last week, in in the wake of Dallas, and I'm saying that again right now. This will not be the last time. As a matter of fact, there will be other ambushes expect in, expected in the uh, Northeast this time. Specifically, 
Baltimore because of the Freddie Gray verdict. Uh, we've been we're seeing an uptick, an, an incredible uptick in the social media um, communications about Baltimore. Um, we're also looking at events taking place in the southwest as well and on the west coast. Okay, those basically any large city, but specifically in northeast and then the southwest and then the west coast right now is what we're what we're getting in terms of social media feed. Now, a little bit about Gavin Eugene Long, just very quickly. I don't know how many folks, I, I don't know how much of this has been on the mainstream media. I don't know how much of this has been, uh, uh, you know. Of course, he's got a, he's got a, uh, a pseudonym, Cosmo Setapenera, or Penra, Setapenra, Cosmo Setapenra. Uh, I don't know how many people have heard of that. He's the author of three books, The Cosmic Way, The Laws, and The Cosmos, and The Cosmic Way, or Cosmo Way, I'm sorry, C-O-S-M-O Way, uh, Volume 2. So The Cosmo Way, The Cosmo Way, Volume 2, and then, of course, The Laws of the Cosmos. And he had, up until yesterday, or last evening, a YouTube channel that had, oh, I don't know, um, upwards of four dozen videos that are that have been have been taken down by YouTube. He also had uh, numerous. Uh, well, I shouldn't say numerous. He, he also had uh, social media under Cosmo Seta Penra under that name expunged from social media. He had social media under Gavin Long expunged. Social media gone. What remains is the Amazon author page under Cosmo Seta Penra. Now I'm going to spell that last name for you. S-E-T-E-P-E-N-R-A. The, um, I had seen this yesterday and, um, frankly I, I looked at this and, and I, I wasn't sure it was him. This was right as the police had I'd made the identification of, of the, of the, of the uh, shooter. Now Gavin Eugene Long, of course, Born seven seventeen eighty seven, was uh, died. Carrying out the attacks on yeah. his birthday. Seven seventeen sixteen twenty nine years old. A couple of things that you should know about: he converted to Islam three years ago. He was an E five. He was a he was a military officer at the rank of E five. And uh, video videos on his account show that he was. Uh, that he was, in fact, a Nation of Islam member and promoter. Then, oh, I don't know, uh, about 12 to 14 months ago, unfortunately, it was when I had it up on, on my screen. It, well, there's no excuse. I, I was, usually do screen captures, and I didn't do it on this one, and it refreshed, and uh, it was gone. But he denounced uh, being a part of any organization this about, uh, I'm going to say, about uh, two or three months ago. He ranted and uh made a lot of inflammatory statements about whites about he made references numerous references to the killing of Alton Sterling the black man uh from Baton Rouge who died on July 5th of this year he uh, of course is from Kansas City now it was reported and I don't know how many people caught this but it was reported that a reporter had tracked as soon as his name was was released by by the by the uh police a reporter from Kansas City had 
looked into his background, found his Kansas City home, and went to visit, paid a visit to that house. That reporter was met with a with a long rifle at the door. Within uh, within two hours, that home was surrounded by law enforcement officers. All right, now the uh, July twelfth, two thousand and sixteen video posted on Long's YouTube account. He discusses being in the Marines and reaching the rank of E5. This man was a highly trained tactical shooter. All right. He ambushed. He set up the ambush and ambushed the police officers in Baton Rouge. Once more, I want to just re- just drive this point home. This man is part of the the Nation of Islam, even though he denounced it, he denounced it for commercial purposes, basically, or denied. He stepped away from it because his books, the Cosmo Way, and the related writings of Gavin Eugene Long uh, promote a kind of a odd blend, an odd mix of Islam and uh, and uh, socialism, if you will. Now. Uh, his last video, he was driving a vehicle and passing out his books. He met a number of men, didn't look like they knew each other. And uh, before that encounter, and he, he promoted his book that also discusses, and I do, do have a copy of his book in electronic format, Black Liberation Theology. Now, notice there's a very important phrase, black liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got to understand that how it relates to, to Islam and the nation of Islam, two separate things. And before I get, get going any further, let me explain the difference between Islam and the nation of Islam. Because the, the difference, there's a big difference here. Traditional Islam teaches that there's only one God, and that's Allah. God works through prophets rather than assuming a physical form. That's Islam. Now, the nation of Islam, the nation of Islam asserts that its founder, Fard Muhammad, was the incarnation of Allah, much like Jesus Christ would be in Christianity. Now, beginning in 1930, Fard worked in Detroit, where this nation of Islam originated, to establish his movement before disappearing mysteriously, I might add, in 1934. No one knows what happened to him. As far as the racial issues, traditional Islam embraces the fact that the Quran says that Allah created the human race from a single male and female and made you into nations and tribes, okay? Um, where the nation of Islam focuses primarily on blacks, or and other non-Caucasians, well above whites. It's black supremacy with black liberation theology. All right, the tenet basically of, of, of the Nation of Islam holds that whites were created by a renegade black scientist named Yakub. For what it's worth, now, all right. Gavin Eugene Long, the the murderer from yesterday, based on information I received contemporaneous with the uh, as events were happening, and this from a law enforcement source, uh, 
suggests that he was not a lone actor. Other reports I received suggest that this, that uh, Long, uh, the, the, the shooting was independent of the previous day, or the previous, uh, the earlier um, situation where the uh, uh, pawn shop was, ra- was, uh, was uh, I'm looking for my notes here, there's a situation where there was a pawn shop that was broken into in Baton Rouge, weapons were stolen, and uh, threats were made against the police department. All right. Now, uh, let me just uh, let me just grab a couple of, or let me just make sure I've got my notes here, according to uh, how I believe that this is going to play out and where this is coming from and, and who is feeding this. Um, well, I'll just go back to to uh, to Long here very quickly. What uh, what he said was this. And, and uh, you know what? I'm gonna. I, I do have his. Uh, I do have his. I have. Here. I mean, there is um, uh, many quotes from the different videos that he. Right. Uh, from the social media presence, from Twitter to YouTube uh, to Facebook, this is where he did most of his uh, talking, as well as the writing in his book, as he referenced. Right. And, and that's one thing I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure people understood: Facebook, Twitter. They will censor pro-Christian remarks. They will censor everything, uh, that, I mean, but, they, but they will allow this filth and, and this this racially uh, incendiary stuff to to, to to go on, and that's by design. Just to give you an example, United uh, suspended a pilot. They suspended a pilot who called for Hillary Clinton uh, in a tweet. Now, this guy yeah. was not only a pilot; he was a Republican West Virginia lawmaker named Michael Folk. He was suspended from flying um, for saying that she should, Hillary Clinton should be tried for treason, then hung in the mall in Washington, D.C. Right. Things like that, which, um, you know, the hanging part could have been left out, tried for treason. There's no issue there. But we've seen Kurt Schilling being fired from ESPN uh, for making remarks about Hillary and about the transgendered bathroom issues. That's right. Uh, but you have people like the talking heads on CNN who called the Dallas police shooter courageous and brave. Exactly. So, the roots, the origins of Black Lives Matter, the origins of the Nation of Islam and and the outgrowth from the Nation of Islam and Islam itself, this is a a volatile cocktail here inside the United States right now. And they are working concurrently and in some cases together, which is interesting because traditionally speaking, the nation of Islam and Islam, there, 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 there would be like a Shia and Sunni kind of a relationship there. But now they're working together seemingly. The commonality here is Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter appears to be the, the, uh, umbrella group. And part of that umbrella group, uh, is, and, and I said, I, talked about this before, you're going to be hearing more about this, is Freedom Road Socialist Organization, that's FRSO, which is a Marxist, Leninist organization that calls for the overthrow of capitalism. Here's why I mentioned Also, CARE has joined yes. forces with Black Lives Matter, the Council of American Islamic Relations, which they're the unindicted co-conspirators from the Holy Land Foundation, and they hate it, absolutely hate it when you make reference to that, that fact. 
but it's a true statement. Unindicted co-conspirators of the Holy Land Foundation. Of course, the Holy Land Foundation that had a lot to do with money laundering back in the uh, back in uh, uh, about uh, about a decade ago. Now I know we're only about five minutes before uh, we mm-hmm. are joined live by uh, Josh Tully, but but it's so important for me to to, to really to to drive this home, folks. We are at war here, a war that Obama and Valerie Jarrett have created domestically. The police officers are the targets of this war. America has bloodied, battered, and bruised this country intentionally into pushing us into this civil um, civil riot, or civil war, if you will. Black and blue. Think about that. Because blue, of course, blue of the, of the officers, blue of the law enforcement community, and black pitted against blue. Now, you know, I, it's interesting because when, when I spoke about this and I said this was going to happen and I spoke about the Nation of Islam and I spoke about the zebra killings, I got, I got emails from people who said this is racist. This is no more racist than any other crime statistic. Uh, and, and evil and, and such. You know what, folks? I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to take anything back. I'm telling you right now, it is what it is. This is at, at its root is this Islamic slash black supremacy now being thrust upon America, this nation, in the final months of Obama's in the final months of Obama's reign of terror here in this country. If Hillary Rodham Clinton, the witch, if she gets in office for any reason, I can tell you this, this agenda will not just continue, but it will be even exponentially worse. It will become exponentially worse. Black Lives Matter, you need to understand what this is all about. What's going on in Cleveland, the anti-Trump um, protests associated with Black Lives Matter, the cries of racism, the cries of of uh, anti-immigration. This is all part of the theater that's behind the Obama-Jarrett agenda. This is all be- behind the theater of this Marxist-Leninist initiative that has calls for the overthrow of capitalism, that calls for, uh, that calls America in, an inherently racist nation, that also condemns Israel for conducting a terrorist war of Zionism against the Arab uh, Palestinian people for their sacred rights. They even throw that in there. All of this is melded together right now by Obama at the highest levels of government, and it is only going to get worse. Police officers, more will die in additional incidents, and they're all orchestrated and all approved uh, operationally at the highest levels of our government. Trust me when I tell you, none of this is by accident. This is all intended to happen, and it's intended to happen right now. If you remember the source I had mm-hmm. uh, and have, uh, that was right before the 2012 election. Since and I, I had the occasion to speak with my source this this weekend, and basically he said this: Look, this would have happened in 2012 had it not been assured that Obama would have gotten in. I mean, so it was assured back then. When it was going hot, yeah, everything was ready to go, but it wasn't pushed like it is right now. All of this is because this is Obama's last gift as a Marxist, Leninist, Muslim 
orchestrating uh, uh, or uh, conductor of this or of the, of the orchestra that consists of Black Lives Matter, Nation of Islam, and other organizations that include as well the uh, Freedom Road Socialist Organization (FRSO). Okay, so before we get uh, get to our guest, I just want to say one more thing, folks. If if you do nothing else today, please do one thing next day, next two two days, three days, until you until you get it done. Any law enforcement officer in your hometown, please buy them a cup of coffee. Go up to them, shake their hand, tell them you appreciate what they're doing. Just just do that because we need to quell this and we need to get ahead of this right now or we're going to lose this country. All right, Joe. With us now, we have Josh Tolley from the Josh Tolley Show. Uh, at the Republican National Convention, uh, coming live here on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Josh, it's great to have you on. How's it going? Joe, it's great being here. I'm glad you're feeling good, buddy. Yeah, feeling a lot better. Um, uh, folks, as you know, Josh uh, came on when I had surgery about two weeks ago and, and filled in and uh, did a fantastic job. And now he is in Cleveland covering the Republican National Convention. Uh, How's the mood been there, Josh? I saw a little bit of the of coverage today, and it seemed that uh, there was a little bit of uh, chaos, if you will. Yeah, yeah, there was a little contention. Uh, some people thought that they wanted to have a roll call vote on a rules change, which would be their last-ditch effort in order to stop Trump, the party that's famous for not listening to its delegates in a weird way, had decided, ah, yeah, you know, um, that ain't going to fly. And then Ryan's Priebus literally just left the stage. So it, it, it looks like the never Trump effort has come to a, uh, a dead end, which has made some of the people mad. But overall, with the exception of, of that incident, uh, most of it has been really docile inside the outer ring of security. So the way security works here is they have three rings. And once you get inside the, the outer ring, it's, it's fairly docile. Once in a while, you'll okay. have a protester run through, but uh, overall, it's, it's kind of quiet. The real shocking thing, guys, is how most of the people are not talking about the issues. You would think that here we are, you know, we just saw what we saw in Baton Rouge. We just saw what we saw in Turkey. We just saw what we saw in Dallas. Issues and topics would be hot-button things, but they're not. They're talking about, you know, hey, what band is going to be playing? Hey, where do they have that Greek food? anything but the things that are actually important, which is really kind of sad since the political system is run by the two parties. You would hope at least the two parties would be part of the political system, and they seem to just be having a party. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, you talked about the no-Trump people and, and what they're trying to do, um, and I want to know, since you're there on the floor, I heard a rumor that uh, Ted Cruz might be speaking tomorrow and that he might lead an anti-Trump walkout. Have you heard anything of the sort? I have heard a rumor to that effect. Uh, I also heard a couple other rumors that if they're substantiated would be really big news. It would involve some some delegates doing some uh, maneuvering contrary to election law. Uh, I'm waiting for confirmation on these things before I, I kind of name names and spill beans. But, yeah, there, there are kind of subtle whispers that there might be some sort of gentle revolt. But odds are, guys, I, I really doubt it. Um, I think 
from Ted Cruz's standpoint, it doesn't it doesn't benefit him at all. Now, the the anti-Trump movement, yeah, totally. They want to do it. That's why they wanted to have the roll call today to get the rules changed. But Ted Cruz, if I were Ted, and I praise God that I'm not, but if I were Ted, I would be just waiting. I I, I would wait. You're you're a young guy. You have a lot of momentum. You have a party that just got broken because of you. And if you truly believe the guy who's at the front of the ticket can't lead and it's going to lead to a failure, then you could even do uh, a challenge at the end of the four years against the, the sitting president. And that's not unheard of. So he has time. Just let it play out. Now, will he have that much patience? I don't know. The the anti-Trumpers here don't seem to, but to be honest, that kind of defeats their purpose too because what that does is it just solidifies that that pro-Trump anti-establishment movement. And I think you know, there's there's a growing tension of that. Today's the first day everybody's kind of docile, you know, enjoying the the scenes and all that sort of stuff, but there there is this anti-establishment sort of mindset and I think what's really interesting is Ryan's is an establishment guy and to have the establishment people turn on him like they did today that was that was fairly interesting too and you know remember back in um, 2012 the party essentially did the same thing with the Paul campaign where they they had that floor vote and essentially botched it so bad that you know people saw the teleprompter they said the eyes had it when the nays clearly had it. This time, they're not uh, allowing for a roll call vote, and they knew why. I mean, they they knew what it was for, so they they weren't allowing for it. But they didn't handle it well either, and it led for establishment people to even question, you know, Ryan's capability in his position. I think he should leave that post anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. And Josh, I want to thank you so much for for uh, reporting live, folks. We're talking with Josh Tolley. And, uh, of course, Josh Tully has got his own radio program every day. And, and uh, uh, folks, you can go to his website, linked off of our website. Uh, what's How about the establishment Republicans there? What uh, what are you seeing there with uh, their presence? It, I, I know what you said, but is there is, is there something else, like, brewing in the background, perhaps, in addition to um, what we're seeing? You know, well, I, I, I think kinda... there's a little disdain. Uh, I think there's a little annoyance. I think what has happened is, especially on the outer ring, they have to put up with Trump supporters. See, it's it's interesting when when ran or when Ron Paul ran, he had the ability over the course of two election cycles to change a lot of delegates. Well, Trump didn't have that political machine behind him. He's kind of winning just on pure muscle of public hate for the establishment. So when it was Ron, the Republican Party had to deal with an actual change in the guard of, of you know, delegates. Well, now this time they basically just have to tolerate them. They're, they're kind of like the, uh, the cousin at the family reunion you don't really want to put up with. And you notice that. In in the peripheral activities, you know, you you have um, the former chairman uh, Michael Steele, I believe his name was. He he was out walking about, and, you know, putting up with the the Trump people, but you could just kind of tell it's like rubbing them the wrong way. I was in the elevator with Alan West. He's kind of getting rubbed the wrong way, even though he's trying to position himself as you know this now liberty loving individual. 
you, you, you see a lot of that. You, you, you see a lot of friction between the establishment people on the inside and the Trump fans on the outside. And that's what they really are, is they're fans. Because, again, he doesn't really have that, that political base that Ron Paul built over two election cycles. Interesting. Yeah, one of the things that confused me is the, um, you know, the voting on the rules and going in here. Um, but, you know, you covered that and, and that part's over. Now, from here on out, are we just looking at, um, Trump being, uh, accepting the nomination, uh, speeches from political pundits? Uh, what, what procedural things take place from here on out? Well, actually, most of the procedural stuff, believe it or not, happened last week. The The Republican convention, as a as a party, has been here for two weeks already. So the Rules Committee and all that sort of stuff, that already actually take, took place last week. And procedurally, what happens then is some of the things that the Rules Committees and those other committees come up with have to go to a floor vote. So today you saw a lot of that. You saw a lot of the stuff that came up as a floor vote. And most of that stuff... And at least the big ones, like the one everybody is waiting for today, is is pretty much pretty much done away with. Now the focus is going to be on how do we build unity in order to take on Hillary Clinton. And and you started to see that today already with, um, for example, the pastor who said the the blessing at the end of the this afternoon session was talking about how we we're not fighting amongst ourselves we have one united enemy and that enemy is hillary clinton <laughs> it reminded me actually that we don't fight against flesh and blood but powers principalities and rulers in dark places you know um but maybe that's where hillary's from i don't know but the the overall sentiment is now hey everybody you know get on the same page what can we do as a party and that i think is interesting too i mean this this has been very much our side versus your side. Let's not pay attention to what our side has done. Let's just make it our side versus your side. I don't know if that's going to serve them too well moving forward. I think the Republicans have to do some serious soul searching. I mean, if, if 2008, 2010, 2012, 2014, and now 2016, they haven't gotten the message that the people are kind of sick and tired of the same old, same old party. I don't know how much more the the party could take, to be honest. And you, you hear whispers about that too. You know, inside the the convention space, everybody's you know hunky dory. We're all well, not. I don't want to put myself in that thing. I'm a journalist, but everybody on the floor is all you know. Hey, we're wearing red, and you know, elephants are awesome. But once it's it's break time and people are just sitting outside, you know, on the benches, there's. There's growing discontent amongst the rank and file, for sure. And, you know, there's always these whispers of, well, you know, maybe it's time for, for something new. Maybe it's time for a third party. Interesting. Um, looking at the list of speakers here, is there any mm -hmm. one person that you're um, looking forward to or, or interested in hearing um, that to be honest, could be controversial? Not, not uh, not really. I mean, I I don't expect any fireworks. I think the party's doing a really decent job at trying to put a squash to anything that's going to be controversial. Um, the lineup that they have, the the direction Trump has decided to take the the speaking lineup, and that's the other thing too. The the speakers are are approved by 
the leading candidate, the, the candidate, if he's locked up the nomination by the time they get here, it's picked by him. So Trump knows Ted Cruz is invited to speak. He offered to extend that invitation. So I'm assuming that there's some sort of, you know, let's make up and be friends. But what interests me more than what's going on on the inside in terms of speakers is what's on the outside, and that's this go. growing police presence. And, you know, even since what we saw in Baton Rouge, the security has changed. Because we were here before Baton Rouge happened. And then after Baton Rouge, well, even, even to be honest, uh, Nice, the, the event in Nice. Now on the sidewalk areas where people are, you know, they close down these streets and everybody's just walking around, they have parked um, dump trucks with snow plows at those ends of the street so somebody can't plow a truck through the uh, through the corridor there. So it's interesting to see how the the police response has changed even since we've been here. Hey, have, there, have there been any disruptions of any major in any major sense? When I say disruptions, I, I guess uh, security incidents, uh, uh, mass massive protests, um, uh, violent uh, uh, incidents outside of the convention hall itself, to where no, not really. There was there was a couple guys arrested uh, for possession of an assault rifle, and then there was uh, some back and forth between some Black Lives Matter and some pro Trump people in a park, and the police built a wall between them, but that kind of dispersed. Peacefully. I mean, there, there's nothing like we've seen in other places, which which kind of leaves everybody with an eerie feeling, to be honest, because the overall tension coming into this debate, or not this debate, this convention, is it's palpable. I mean, everybody has seen what has been happening in this country in the past six, eight months and around the world. So it's kind of like the thing that nobody's talking about. You know, the cops aren't talking about it. The people aren't talking about it. Everybody knows it's there. Everybody's a little trigger happy. Uh, you know, there's as, as as soon as there's sirens, people kind of gasp and step back because they're waiting for that next thing. And it, it's kind of revealing of two things. One, how scared America is becoming, because they really are. You know, as soon as a siren pops off, everybody's kind of where where is it? What, what's happening? Where do we go? And two, how that tension is having an impact on this election cycle. I mean, I mean if, if, if you think about it, what's really happening right now is the voting public is trying to decide not who's going to be a better bureaucrat, not who's going to have a, a better capability of, you know, negotiating budget deals across the aisle in a swing year or whatever. I mean, nothing like that. What they're really asking themselves is who is going to keep me safer, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? And as much as the political shenanigans are fun and exciting, and, you know, I've been a political junkie since I was 12 years old, for goodness sakes, as, as much as that's here and, you know, there's some of that for everybody, that overall tension that you can feel, it just makes the whole thing have kind of a an eerie vibe to it. And I, I think that's part of the reason why not only the protests have been docile, but the same thing with the, the celebrations, you know, the music and all that sort of stuff. Because everybody, including the protesters, are kind of feeling this buildup. 
And I, I was talking to some officers today, and, and they were saying, you know, Thursday is most likely going to be the worst day of it. And then they announced that Trump was going to be in town tonight because he wanted to see his wife speak. And instantly there was this increased presence, you know, more helicopters in the air, more snipers on roofs, but also more tension in the people. And I, I think it, it really says something that's sad about this country, that we have gotten to this place where... To be honest, we're almost paranoid at being outside. We, I mean, we've wow. seen so much of this that people are, are a little scared to just be in mass public places right now. Wow. Well, yeah, and, and, and I mean, I can understand that. We, I think we all can understand that. Um, I'm not sure I would describe it as paranoia. Um, however, it certainly feels like that in, in some cases. But, but yeah, you know, it, it's, um, well, even with the allowance, well, not the allowance, I suppose, but with open carry right now, uh, mm-hmm. well, have you seen, I mean, is there a lot of open carry out, outside of the convention? Uh, um, there is, actually. There's there's quite a substantial amount of it, and the police response has been very docile. Uh, yeah. I know in the news there was this story yesterday or the night before that... Um, the police union was urging Kasich to implement a, a ban on open carry, even if it's temporary. Right. And, of course, constitutionalists were like, well, you just can't do that. You can't put arbitrary bans on things. But and on a boots-on-the-ground level, no. I mean, we've seen a number of people today open carry, and the police haven't given them a hard time at all. They take note of it. You know they take note of it. You know, everybody's eyes kind of goes to the guy with the gun. But no harassment at all. No, you know, hey, why'd you even bother? And along those same lines, you get a lot of thank yous to the police as well. And it's going to be interesting to see if that's different than next week. Next week, I'm going to be at the DNC as well. And here, as the cops make their way down the street, there's always people saying thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. You know, it's great to to see you out here serving your your country. But at the same time... At the same time, when the police are in a public area, there seems to be a an avoidance also. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's a recognition, but there's also an avoidance. And I'm not sure if that avoidance is based on just what we've witnessed in Dallas and Baltimore, or, I mean, Dallas and uh, Baton Rouge, or if it's this idea of you know let's just let them work and, and give them their safe space but there's there's definitely an avoidance once you get out that first ring of of individuals folks uh, we're talking to our good friend Josh Tully from joshtully.com the Josh Tully show which airs by the way every monday through friday 10 to noon eastern time that's 9 to 11 central time and of course he's coming uh, coming to us Graciously from the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, Ohio, just down the road from us. Um, what, what's the talk about Pence uh, with uh, is uh, being tried? <laughs> <laughs> Or your your feelings about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, my my feelings about politicians lately, you know, I, I kind of wear them on my sleeve. The the thing I don't like about Pence is he he has backed TPP, and right. TPP to me is just a monstrosity of an organization. And it's for those who have been living under a rock, TPP is the Trans Pacific Partnership, and it basically erodes sovereignty. 
it, it, it takes away our nation's ability to be a nation. And we're seeing more and more of these actions. And Trump came out as the anti-TPP candidate. Well, Pence was somebody who supported TPP. So now on the same ticket, you have two opposing sides of what could be one of the most important issues in this generation. Absolutely. Because TPP is a precursor to what the EU has become. You know, the EU started as a trade organization. It was just going to be for trade, you know, easy trade across borders, allowing them to keep up with growing economies like Russia, China, and the U.S. And then it turned into, well, you know, we're going to need some governance if we're going to have these open borders. And then that turned into, well, let's have our own elected officials. And then that turned into, let's have our own court system. And that turned into, our rules now supersede national sovereignty. Well, TPP comes with some of that stuff already built in. So what what it took the EU a few decades to accomplish, TPP is coming in halfway prepared. And that, to me, is is extremely concerning. And I'm not sure how that, that's going to work out. Now, Pence, Pence is somebody who was kind of toying with the idea of, of throwing his hat in the ring anyway. And he just was, you know, laid on the gun. So to have him come up in, in this way and be on the ticket, I think it, it causes a little bit of hesitancy in Trump supporters. Obviously, they needed somebody on the ticket that was a politician. Two non-politicians didn't help. And obviously, they were probably going to go with a governor. It, typically, whenever a senator has won, or any sort of elected official other than a governor has won an office, the next office is typically held by a governor. Um, just the way it goes, because people like to see that, that executive ability. So it was kind of obvious that they needed to put that executive ability on the ticket. I don't know. I thought for for a while it was going to be Newt, but Newt didn't have that, that governorship behind him. If I had to guess right now, a Trump victory would probably mean a Newt Secretary of State if it was, you know, tomorrow. But that's mm -hmm. that's my take on Pence. I mean, very you, establishment. You it, it, it was, it was, to, to me, it was a compromise um, by Trump because, well... I mean, the, looking at it, the compromise in a number of ways that he that he brought Pence in. Obviously, the Christie was on the short list, as was um, um, Newt Gingrich, and, and and Pence came through. But I, I think uh, I, I think compromise was written all over that selection by by Donald Trump. I mean, that that's just my view. But I also think too that this has shades of uh, uh, Reagan slash Bush written all over it as well. When uh, Reagan selected Bush for his uh, running mate, uh, yeah, you know, so that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm seeing. No, that's uh, that's a very good observation. I would agree with that. I would Which, agree. With well, that. you know, I I feel honestly, I feel like I'm watching 1968 happen all over again, but a very a much more dangerous 1968. Um, and, and I think uh, when you go to Philadelphia next week. I think perhaps that'll tell the tale as to as to what uh, you know what the geopolitical landscape in the United States will be. But um, Joe, I, I don't know if you have any uh, other questions here. I know that uh, so many people are saying thank you, Josh Tully, for I, I, we're just getting inundated with emails from listeners who are saying thank you so much for for uh, a, a fresh and refreshing voice 
Josh Tully from the RNC. Something. Oh, uh, it's an honor. Thank you. We know one 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 listener says something that we are not getting from any of the major networks, and uh, a couple of emailers here want to know if you are doing your show about the RNC, reporting on the RNC there, or is it going to be a, mix, a mixture uh, this week? Uh, yeah, we're we're still broadcasting the show. <laughs> so today we broadcast the show from right outside that that inner ring, right around the convention center itself. Um, we're going to be broadcasting all week this week, all week next week, and we kind of mix it up. We uh, bring some of the the events at the RNC into the show, and then of course cover world events too. And you know, interestingly enough, I think the world events kind of help Trump at this point as well. Uh, you know, when we watch mm-hmm. things like what Erdogan is doing in Turkey, I think that definitely helps Trump. And I think yeah. that the campaigns your- realize that. What's your thought? What's your thought on that? That's all over the map. Uh, I mean, was it a stage coup? Do you think? Because we signed off on Friday talking about that. Uh, yeah. St- stage coup, uh, intentional to shore up the Erdogan's uh, uh, militaristic power, reign of tyranny, yeah, or something I totally think- different. No, 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 no. I, I think you're on the right track. I actually posted a YouTube video that I made really fast on my phone on the spot because I wanted to get my prediction up and online. And my prediction was that the coup was not going to be successful. And at the end of the day, he was going to use this to expand his powers. And within 24 hours, the coup was not successful and he was using it to expand his powers. It's not hard to read this guy's ambitions. Now, did he stage it himself? I would hope not. I mean, over 200 people died in this. But we do know that absolute power corrupts absolutely, so these these tyrannical people are not afraid or humble enough to not kill their own people. So I hope he didn't stage it himself. If he didn't stage it himself, I would bet you dollars to donuts, even though it hasn't hit the news, that if they dig deeper behind these 6,000 people that they arrested that there is some Russian influence. Because if you remember, Russia had their fighter jets shot down by Erdogan. Erdogan reminded Russia that, you know, they're not going to bow down to Russian whim. And no general in his right mind would try to stage a coup if he didn't have a larger ally if that coup were to work. If the coup was not to work, then the ally can always wash their hands in deniability and say, oh, no, we had nothing to do with it. See, you can't tell. You can't tell. I'm just telling you, by now interviewing and talking to many generals in my life, no general's going to do that without some sort of support. So he either did it himself or there were hints of, of somebody else helping him. The idea that maybe America helped, I don't think so. Obama and Erdogan are kind of on the same page. Uh, most people don't know this, but about a month and a half ago, maybe two months now, Erdogan was actually in the U.S., and it got very little media coverage, no fanfare at all. And he was actually in Pennsylvania meeting with the guy he is now blaming for inciting that coup. So, bump, 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 that mystery gets deeper. But overall, I think exactly like you said, Doug, I think that he's going to use this to continue to expand his power. He already has. Uh, four or five weeks ago, he was trying to change the Constitution to give himself more power. That wasn't really working. You know, he was getting a little pushback, and as we all know, nothing brings a population together like a war. Look at George Bush's approval levels after 9-11. It was up to 90%. So these these dictators and rulers know that. They know, hey, we have to do something to get everybody behind us. And I can tell you, 
just off of the response that I've been getting from Turkey based on my video, the Turkish people are blind to what just happened. So many of them are saying, oh no, Erdogan is wonderful, and so what if he needs more power? That's exactly what we need right now. We need somebody who's strong and bold. And I'm sitting here thinking, no, stop. That's what mm -hmm. we did. That's what we did with the Patriot Act. That's why nobody under 16 years old is ever going to live in an America that's free. But mm -hmm. it's it's hard. It's hard to tell people who go through a tragedy what you see from that 30,000-foot perspective. They're only seeing it from their perspective, and from their perspective, Erdogan just saved them from a takeover, not realizing that he's using it to really slit their throats. And, and that, and that uh, to me, uh, looking at our political landscape today, you know, even after 2001, I think we're, we're ripe for that same thing today, and especially with the calls for law and order, uh, make America safer. That's not to say, and I'm not, this is not an indictment against Donald Trump, it's just the mentality of people today very, to me, to me are very similar to, to the shell shock or the PTSD after 9-11. Yeah. That's just my observation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on, Josh. Amen. Uh, taking time out of your day and, and at the RNC uh, to give us some live updates. And uh, you stay safe out there, and, and we'll talk with you more throughout this week. Yes. Sounds good. Sounds good, guys. Right. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your show. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Have a good right. night. God bless. Folks, that, that was Josh Tolley from joshtolley.com, T-O-L-L-E-Y, joshtolley.com. You can hear him live each yeah. and every week. They tend to noon Eastern time <laughs> on Genesis Communication Network. Yeah. And uh, go to joshtolleyshow.com. I'm going to tell you, he's, he's, got a, he's got a really great radio program. Also, his book, Evangelpreneur. 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 <laughs> Evangelpreneur, yeah. Seriously, it's a great book. Um, even though I can't pronounce it or I've got a hard time pronouncing it, um, it's a, it's a fantastic book. And and especially if you're a Christian businessman, business person, it's a fantastic read. And in fact, it, it's it's a fantastic read just for life success as well. And Josh is a life a life coach and a great dynamic speaker. If you ever heard him speak, it, it's just fantastic. Joe, go ahead. You were going to say something there, I think. Yeah, no, Evangelpreneur is a fantastic book, and it lays out um, biblical principles of money management mm -hmm. and business practices. And it is not um, a book on how to get rich quick. It's a book on how to make money right and make money work for you through a Christian perspective uh, while helping others. We'll be right back after these brief messages. You're listening to this Monday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Never look at your city or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the 
dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Doug Hagman with Joe Hagman together with something I like to call America's Premier Father Son Investigative Reporting Team. So much news to get into. Of course, the news out of Baton Rouge, the news from Dallas. You've got two shooters in a war against the police and uh, a war waged by an amalgamation of the Nation of Islam, Islam, Black Lives Matter, under that umbrella. Of course, under the larger umbrella of the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, FRA. It's a Marxist-Leninist initiative. We've got that to cover, and of course, we've got uh, uh, people like Keith Ellison, Andre Carson, two uh, lawmakers in uh, Washington who are Muslim. Uh, what's taking place there? And if you notice the footage, if you watched any of the footage about Baton Rouge, it was interesting that on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, you had a press conference that was held. Uh, with with multiple federal and local agencies. Did you notice the sheriff got up and was talking about, well, he uttered the Pledge of Allegiance, the, the, the uh, last part of the Pledge of Allegiance that contained the words of one nation under God. And he said that. And today you had a member of the FBI up there saying something about seven words of the Pledge of Allegiance and omitted the phrase under God. Now, you might not think that's important. It's extremely important, folks, because what you're seeing here is the move away from God, taking God completely out of the picture, being expunged just like at a federal level, which which is now, of course, being broadcast over the media, but much like, uh, much like God has been expunged from... Uh, our textbooks and our schools and everything. However, in this case, uh, to, to see this happen in real time, you, you take notice of these things, and and this is one of the reasons I uh, I'm just absolutely convinced that the media is f- facilitating this race war, which has been started, orchestrated, and the uh, uh, really started on the dry timber that Obama, Jarrett, and and even Hillary Clinton and the Clintons before as well. And Bush has got to take some responsibility for this as well, this dried tinder uh, that is America. Mm-hmm. And talking about Keith, uh, Keith Ellison. Of course, we're going to be talking about more about Black Lives Matter, FRSO, Nation of Islam. Yes, we have to talk about that. More about the war against police officers and how Obama has left this nation 
bloodied black and blue, all words of extreme importance. That's bloodied mm-hmm. black and blue. That's Obama's legacy. There will be more attacks on police, more ambushes. Watch for that. And as I said before, please, if you do nothing else, do not make this a hollow gesture. Certainly tell a police officer. If, in fact, if you're if you're in line ahead of a police officer in a, uh, uh, let's say, a, a coffee shop, a, a Dunkin' Donuts or Tim Hortons, but buy, 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 his, buy his coffee for him or whatever he might be ordering. Do something for a police officer to show that you care, because we we can make the difference here. And it's the the sheriff yesterday said something. It's it's a it, no, I think he, he said it today in Baton Rouge. He said the men the the hearts of men. It, this is not about gun control. It has nothing to do with guns. It's about what's in the hearts of men and what what's being placed in the hearts of men by Obama and others, by these Marxist, Leninist, Luciferians, is, in fact, uh, the cause of this violence. Yes, it is. And we're going to get into some of what uh, the Clinton and Obama rhetoric was in uh, relation to the latest round of these police ambushes. Uh, but first, we want to bring you a quick word from Hear the Watchman. Folks, there is a conference coming up Friday, September 30th through October the 2nd, Sunday, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Hear the Watchmen in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we were at the Hear the Watchmen in Dallas. It was a fantastic event. This coming Hear the Watchmen conference in Knoxville, you're going to hear speakers like Pastor Paul Begley, who um, I was on Pastor Paul Begley's show today, and uh, we got something coming up with him we'll talk about here shortly. But also Pastor David Langford, Paul McGuire, Josh Tolley, who you just heard um, in the last hour on our show, L.A. Marzulli, uh, Michael Bodea, Russ Dizdar, and many more. And, folks, go to hearthewatchman.com. If you order your book by tomorrow, you can get a free, or I'm sorry, if you order your tickets by tomorrow, you can get a free copy of Paul McGuire's book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. And tickets are... Uh, for the next two weeks are at a $99 rate, after which they will go to $139 or $149. Uh, but right now they're $99 for the next two weeks. Go to hearthewatchman.com. It's in Knoxville, Tennessee, September 30th through October 2nd. If you have the opportunity to go, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a fantastic conference, just like it was in Dallas. Indeed. Indeed. And... uh as you said, we're going to be, uh, one thing folks, we're going to be on, uh, on Paul Begley's television program. Uh, we're going to be going out next, next week for the taping of that program mm-hmm. to, uh, two different sessions. Please go to Paul Begley's, Pastor Paul Begley's website. Yeah, paulbegleyprophecy.com. Right. If you go on his website, uh, paulbegleyprophecy.com, there is, um, TV and radio. Uh, it's a it's a section right uh, next to home, and there is also a widget. If you go down, you can uh, down at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to do the live, uh, be a part of the audience at the live TV show, and all the information is there. It is a suburb just outside of Indianapolis. The filming will take place the 28th, uh, that is Thursday, and again, go to paulbegleyprophecy.com. And we are going to be taping two shows, and we will give out all the information, and you can find all the information of where to watch it at paulbegleyprophecy.com. 
We're going to be there. Of and it's course. right on the left hand side of his right. site. I'm sorry. It's um, WHBM one zero five one one Greenfield Avenue, Noblesville, Indiana. You can register now for free. I, I really hope. Um, I really hope to to anyone who lives in in the area of Indianapolis in that area, please join us on. Uh, what is it, Thursday? A week from a week from this Thursday, whatever that date might be. Um, please join us at the at the studio. It's, there's gonna be a live studio audience there. There we'll have a meet and greet. But but please do that. Uh, we'd love to meet you. Love to shake your hand. Love to sit and uh, talk we'll talk with you for for a few minutes. But it's my understanding that that the registration is going fast. So please register right away. And I hope to have something on our website. That it's a one-click thing. Yeah, we can put that to. up after the show. Yeah. Uh, so look for it on HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com for the link after the show. Hopefully, that we can uh, just one-click. But but love to join. Love to have you join us at uh, the taping and uh, after the taping and 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 such at uh, in Indianapolis. It'd be it's gonna be it'd be great to meet you. And there's a area there for meet and greet. So. Uh, love to talk to you, have a cup of coffee with you. Absolutely. All good. No, uh, be- Before we get back to the go police, on. go on. Um, just to let people know on breaking news, there has been an attack in Germany yep. where a man with an axe has attacked passengers on a German train in southern German state of Bavaria. Uh, several people were critically wounded. At least, um, I think they said 20 people were yep. uh, the, um yeah, it is screaming Alua Akbar, of yeah. course. You know, it's, of course, they're going to have to f- figure out what the motive might be. Yeah, it's a train axe attack. Afghan teenage refugee. All right. In other words, an alien soldier, uh, illegal alien soldier, shutting Alua Akbar goes on bloody rampage, hacking up passengers in Germany. Mm-hmm. Hey, Angela Merkel, how you doing? How you liking that, uh, Open door policy. Yeah, seventeen-year-old, seventeen-year-old Afghan entered Ger- Germany as a lone refugee. Of course, you know the uh, uh, what would you call it? The, the bleeding heart liberals now, who who say, "Oh, this is all great." You know, we need to. We're all one population. No, we're not. The refugee problem, and and, and look, look what happened in Nice. Look at this now. 17 years old from Afghanistan entered Germany as a lone refugee. What horror! What horror of these of these Muslim alien invaders? They're here to conquer us. How many times do we have to really get into it and tell you they're here to conquer this civilization? And what's one of their, their own words? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of their planks. 14. Passengers being treated for shock. Um, early reports have uh, stated that he left at least three people fighting for their lives, a fourth with less than severe injuries. 17-year-old Afghan man who was a refugee to Germany. And as we're looking at this, it's again, it, it, this is happening all throughout the West. And it is a destroy, it's, it's, a, um, it, it's a scorched earth policy that we're seeing. 
It is a tactic of the globalists to bring these people in and to allow this to happen. And we can overlay this, too, with what has happened in Baton Rouge, with what, what has happened in Dallas. Now you're going to say, well, wait a minute, these weren't illegal aliens that had caused the deaths of the police officers or, 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 um, uh, uh, you know, the, in those two instances. However, you've got to understand what we're looking at is this, this unification of disparate, seemingly disparate groups, as I mentioned before, that are energizing, gaining energy off of each other. And it's open door, it's open season, and it's by Obama, Jarrett, and Ben Rhodes, and everyone else in that regime that's in the White House right now. So, and, and, the Black Lives Matter, and I cannot stress this enough because we are going to see this take place. I don't know whether Baltimore is going to be next in terms of uh, police being ambushed. And there's a reason you say that today. The yes. highest-ranking officer in the Freddie Gray case was found um, not guilty, or the judge uh, ruled decided there was no proof of any charges. Um, there's no proof of criminality. Yeah, it, it's not a crime not to buckle the the uh, individual in the uh, uh, prisoner in in, in, the, in the back of the uh, paddy wagon. However, if you look at the evidence, all right, the GPS with uh, in that wagon did not show any convulsive stops, starts, twists, or turns. Any. Uh, Anything at all that would that would cause the injuries to Freddie Gray? I didn't see that GPS. Yes, uh, well, it was within the testimony. It was in the testimony at that trial. Now, what bothered me about that is the fact that the prosecutor didn't seem too awfully interested in in you know formulating or getting at the at the uh, truth in this, uh, or getting the prosecutor, the female prosecutor, uh, basically just went through the motions knowing almost as if that this was going to be you know a, a kind of a done deal but when you look at the evidence outside of the prosecutorial um, um, behavior when you look at the evidence certainly you have a GPS uh, a, a system within the vehicle that's designed to tell whether I mean it gives you the speed it gives you whether there was any hard braking or any fast accelerations, any hard turns, whatever it might be. It, this showed none of that during the trip, the transport of Freddie Gray. The evidence also showed that the officer used proper discretion because of the volatility at the scene to transport Gray from away from that location, which is why he didn't strap or, or put him in, in a seatbelt. And, of course, you have the Al Sharptons and the Louis Farrakhans and the other people who represent many of these organizations saying that this, of course, is a travesty of justice and that they will seek revenge. This is what we're seeing today. This is the, the cause. And then you have Obama. You listen to his words. You watch what he says and how he says it. He is essentially throwing every law enforcement officer under the bus, and you could almost see it in the faces yesterday of the Baton Rouge brass 
Now, I'm not talking about the mayor, and I'm not talking about the federal officers there. If you looked and watched the press conferences, the press conference, and then some of the the discussions, uh, some of the interviews, you could see the anguish, at least I could, in the police officers. You could see the fact that they felt that they were being thrown under the bus by Obama in this issue. Folks, this is what is taking place. They, Obama ha- is actually and has in ever since the beer summit. How many people remember the beer summit where the Cambridge, and we mentioned this mm-hmm. last week as well, where the Cambridge police officer arrested the uh, uh, professor when he locked himself out of his home? And, of course, that Obama came out and said the officer acted stupidly, I believe were his words, and they had a beer summit. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, Obama has been very critical of the police. Now, look, we know things happen. We know there are bad apples in, in, in every organization. Even in this organization, I just have to look at Eric, the tech, and I see bad written all over him. And I got no response from, oh, okay, there you go, he's chuckling. But no, but, 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 but seriously, what we have is Obama making this, this environment adding fuel to the dry timber that's on the ground. Yeah. And he is doing that, and his recent rhetoric, uh, is saying just as much, you know, he's saying that he came out and said that the police can make their job of being a cop a lot safer by admitting their failures. Now, I would agree that there, now we have two sides to our, to the judicial system. When it, we deal with the police, you have the police and then you have the district attorneys. The district attorneys are sep, uh, the district attorneys are separate from the police. The police make the arrests. They're supposed to gather the evidence, build the case turn it over to the district attorneys where they in turn decide um, based on what the police give them uh, how to to uh, take the matter to court. What charges to file. Exactly what charges to file. And here it's being said in, in the Baltimore uh, situation where these police officers were uh, put on trial and now there have been four um, not guilty or innocent verdicts given they say that this was uh, due to the prosecution's lack of following proper protocols for evidence. They're saying that the, because these cases were rushed, that the uh, verdicts, it was basically sloppy um, work on the district attorney's part and on the uh, part of the prosecutors. Sloppy and, and rushed um, cases. Oh. But regardless, um, the community response to this as you stated earlier is not going to be pretty and i don't know did you see what hillary clinton said about yeah uh, joining a gang i i i saw it out of the context of the speech in which she right, gave it me too. so so i didn't see the speech either right. or or exactly as as she presented that but yes but you know from obama to uh hillary clinton there is this <laughs> And Trump added this today that it's not so much as what Obama's saying, it's his body language when he says it about these police shootings. And he does seem to take a, um, he, he's not pro law enforcement. Even the attorney general, the top law enforcement officer in this nation 
is not backing up the police. Now, there's obvious discord between citizens and police, especially Black Lives Matter and police. There was a petition issued to the White House to label Black Lives Matter organization as a terrorist organization, and the White House responded by saying they do not make up uh, or decide who is a terrorist organization and who's not. Yeah. So, I mean, well, with the the charges... um, on this Lieutenant Brian Rice uh, being being freed of all charges right. the with the current climate in, in Baltimore. Uh, expect to see more tension and problems from this verdict. Yeah, and, and I, I will go as far as to say this. Um, there will be additional attacks against ambushes against police officers. Not that I wish this. You know, it, it, when I say something like this, I, I always get emails saying, well, why are you wishing this on, 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 on people? I'm not. I'm just stating a fact that, that given the trajectory of the climate and, and the statements being made by Obama, being made by others, and especially being perpetuated through social media posts, which is one of the most, in my view anyway, it is one of the, it's one of the most serious things taking place right now. If you take a look at the, at the sewage that is allowed to be contained within the walls of Facebook, uh, on the walls of Facebook and within Twitter and other social media sites, it is, it is as if they are inciting, working with the globalists, of course, to incite the, this race war. And this is exactly what we're seeing right now, a race war that's being fomented by the globalists and again it's between and it's it's well you just look at the the origins of the genesis of black lives matter you know it was established what 3 years ago in 2013 in response to the acquittal of um uh Zimmerman uh, Trayvon Martin okay the and and they are stoking this black rage over this this perceived injustice against black people. They're distorting facts on the news. The of news course. is playing a major part in this. We, I mentioned in the first hour the CNN anchor who called the Dallas police shooter courageous and brave. Yeah. You, 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 where in, in the history of this country have you ever seen this in, in the past? Even, even in the 60s when, 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 um, when we had the series of assassinations and of course uh, RFK at the you know at, at Martin Luther King it, it we we've never seen this of course you've never had this uh, this operational um capacity at the highest levels of our government what we do now right you, we've got um the the organizers of black lives matter Alicia Garza Patrice Cullors and Opal Tometi who are taking for example that's the social networking side of black lives matter that's the kind of the uh what would you call it the the, the face or or, or the uh, the, the pretty side of, of Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, and they are in turn embracing other causes, causes like illegal immigration, and even getting into advancing rights for special rights for the LGBT community, folks, as well as uh, care, as we talked about. Right, care is jumping in as well because on, on the other side of Black Lives Matter, you've got the Nation of Islam and Islam under the umbrella. Of of uh, well, Black Lives Matter, but you've got Care that's also pushing their agenda into this. 
through people like Keith Ellison and Andre Carson, who are the two um, uh, uh, two lawmakers here in the United States who are, are Muslim, indeed, black Muslims. And, folks, just a little bit about Keith Ellison, in case you don't know um, his affiliation with different hate groups, for example. Anti-Semitism and Keith Ellison are... are, are I mean, they appear to gravitate toward one another, writes Joe Kaufman back in 2007. In fact, it was the case throughout the 90s when Ellison was active in the Nation of Islam. Ellison was in the Nation of Islam, and he still facilitates, promotes that cause or in that whole uh, uh well, and he's also active in the Council on American-Islamic Relations of the Muslim American Society as well in Minnesota. So when you take a look at people like Keith Ellison... There's an activist also, Sean King, who had yeah. taken to Twitter um, and stated that there will be a coup. If Donald Trump becomes president, you are fooling yourselves if you think we are far from having a coup our own selves. I'm dead serious. And the Gateway Pundit points out that it they say it's strange that a movement claims to want to fight injustice peacefully has a spokesman who repeatedly fantasizes about civil wars and uprisings which would lead to death and destruction then they make the connection saying imagine the media's reaction a few years back if somebody from the tea party talked about overthrowing obama via coup uh, how that would have uh, the reaction to that what that would have been Versus what we're seeing today. Yeah, and and this is exactly what's taking place. This is 2012, as I wrote back in 2012, in the lead-up to the re-election of of this uh, renegade, as I wrote from my source, saying, look, he's attempting to start a civil war, a race war. He's using, the at that time, the various cases that were erupting, but apparently it wasn't fertile ground, and uh, as well as the fact that he was a walk-in anyway to, to for re-election. So now we're seeing, four years later, now we're seeing a situation where Obama is on his way out. He's got bigger plans than, than the presidency. He wants to leave it to Hillary, of course. There's that sentiment against Trump, who's the the face of law and order, much like Reagan uh, back in 1980, much like Nixon back in 72, if you if you look at history, and, and you look at, at 68, I'm sorry, um, uh, Nixon, if you look at these various historical candidacies, you'll see parallels. Perhaps the, the biggest parallel, that being, of course, uh, of Nixon and um, in the 68 election. But what we're seeing here is the amalgamation of these 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 groups, as you said, Joe, uh, CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations, never had a bigger foothold than they do today. And while we're on that topic, go back to the 28 pages that were excised from the 9-11 report that were released last week, which kind of fell off the radar, and take a look at the Saudi influence in this country and the Saudi influence with the Bush-slash-Rove political machinery. And by the way, uh, Alex Jones had approached Rove at both the Dallas and and, uh, Cleveland airport. And, of course, uh, Carl Rove did not uh, care too much for that uh, being approached by Alex Jones and actually called uh, security forces on on Rove um, 
in, in Dallas and, and kind of threatened uh, uh, Jones in Cleveland. And um, you could you could just see the, the hatred by by the establishment Republican in in this case against uh, uh, Alex Jones, who is attempting to bring the truth, at least in my view, to, to, to the people. Like like his tactics or not, I certainly agree with his attempts to to bring out the truth. But you could see the hatred in Rove's eyes, and uh, when when he uh, when he uh, uh, said uh, to. Well, Alex Jones basically reached out and touched him on the shoulder, just tapped him on the shoulder, and of course, Rove turned around and said, "Touch me again, you're going to be in a lot of trouble." But you could see the hatred just just oozing from his pores. But see, you've got look, you've got right now the perfect storm that has been set up by Obama, and the infiltration, eight years in the making, and in fact decades in the making, but it really advanced over the last eight years. The Muslim infiltration into our country, into our government, into all aspects of our government. You've got the uh, infiltration of the hate groups, real hate groups, Black Lives Matter, Nation of Islam, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, different uh, Marxist-Leninist organizations, Black Panthers Party, New Black Panthers Party, Remember, all of this, all of these people and all of these groups have been around for a long time, especially the Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, and the new Black Panthers, and of course the new movement now, since 2013, Black Lives Matter. They're all teaming up, and they're all coming after the American people. It's just not the police officers. The police officers, of course, are the ones that are getting killed because of ostensibly the injustices against the black person. But that's just the the smokescreen that we're seeing to advance this Marxist-Leninist agenda under the umbrella of the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, under the umbrella of um, the Marxist-Leninist uh, organizations, and the African Americans that are teaming up with that whole array of groups. And if you look at the the roots of Black Lives Matter, of course, you'll find that they're using, or, or that it is, is essentially, is a um, the, the face of a very well funded, very well organized communist socialist organization that has been agitating America for decades. It's been uh, it's provoked police killings and other violence for decades. It's it's promoted violence and unrest in minority communities for decades. If this is permitted to continue the United States could very well devolve into anarchy and civil war, which is the intent of Obama, which is the intent of the globalists as Obama leaves office. And, uh, yeah, so, that you know, there you have it. So um, when, when you look at, uh, Joe, you and I spoke with Larry Grathwalt, and I think he was one of the last interviews before he passed away was, was with us. And uh, for those who don't know, Larry Grothwell, he was a former FBI informant in the Weather Underground group. Uh, Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn. That's right. And, and and look at that. I mean, look at that. What was it the Park Place bombings, uh, San Francisco? They were the Pentagon as well as oh, yeah. New York City. Um, guilty as hell, free as a bird. Yep. is what Bill Ayers said as he uh, walked out of his uh, found not guilty of um, the bombings. Well, also launched Obama's political. 
Yes, career. But, but even Larry Grothwell said that uh, uh, that Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn regarded Obama, whose political career they sponsored, as a tool, a puppet to use against white America. And I think his legacy, I think, I think the legacy of Barack Hussein Obama will show that he is the he's going to be responsible for the greatest division. Uh, in this unity of, of America ever seen. But yeah. then again, he's being facilitated not just by the leftists and by the Marxist Leninist progressives, but also by the establishment Republicans. And this kind of ties in and segues into the uh, current climate in the Republican establishment. They want to global, I mean, th- th- their intent is, to, is globalization. And you can't have a salt, rock solid America and globalization at the same time. So they've got to destroy America through all means necessary. And that includes attacking, for example, not or not just causing civil war, but attacking our values, attacking our culture, attacking our languages, taking down our borders. And, of course, this is all part and parcel of the Rove, Carl Rove machinery that Jones has exposed so well. You take it a step further and look at what they've done with the political correctness, the, the yeah. quote-unquote white privilege, um, making you know kids and, and trying to make people through social manipulation feel guilty about being born in the skin color they were born in, basically uh, saying if you were born white, you are inherently racist. Um, it, it's just very sad. You see, this country is falling apart at the seams, and it is a dangerous time to be um, young in this country. It's a dangerous time to be a police officer. It's a dangerous time to be white. It's apparently a dangerous time to be black. It's a dangerous time to be in America. And that is the, you know, as Newt Gingrich said, that's something I agree with him on today, we have never had more racial scary, division in the last hundred years than we do now, and we have a black president, a black attorney general, um, and he went on from there. And he, he's right. Uh, it hasn't been as divided as it has since, you know, I can imagine back in um, Civil War times. I mean, I don't know, nothing that I've ever seen in my life. The, the only thing, the closest I've seen this is, is, but as I often refer to as the 1960s, late 60s. And even then I was young, so I really, I mean, I, I, I couldn't fully appreciate the impact, for example, of the assassinations. But when you start looking at this with a wide lens, wide angle lens, you can see, for example, as, as I had mentioned before, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, FRSO, which is, again, a Marxist-Leninist organization teaming up with things like the CPUSA, the Communist Party USA, mm-hmm. okay, uh, with the Democratic Socialists of America, the DSA, and the Committees of Correspondence for Democracy and Socialism, CCDS. You've got ACORN, which is now rebranded under just a whole variety of different names. Uh, they work with all of those organizations and more. Then, as you said, okay, you throw in the Muslim Islamic component, which has been brought in, imported into this country. Just just like white guilt has been really thrust down the throats of America, so has this xenophobia or this uh, Islamophobia, which a word that never existed really pre nine eleven in, in any uh, in any real sense. But you've got all of these communist groups that are the tools of the globalists that are attacking um, uh, the, attacking the, the integrity of our country. And, of course, you've got the Working Family Party, Working Families Party, uh, which is an acorn uh, 
uh, iteration. Occupy Wall Street. Remember these? Occupy Wall Street. And, of course, the popular slogans, um, hands up, don't shoot, which, by the way, now has become BLM's, Black Lives Matter, their go-to slogan. Uh, but look at the roots, the communist roots of what we're seeing here. Look at the commonality between the CPUSA, the Communist Party USA, the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, the um, the various other groups that are affiliated with Acorn. The look at the uh, Service Employees International Union (SEIU) and the people who are involved in that, along with the Southern Poverty Law Center. To the George Soros's Open Society, there you the go. Paid protesters, there you go. In different parts of the country, yeah, it's a Van Jones model, the top down, um, just Bot- like bottle up said. and inside out. In Brzezinski, when I was on Pastor Paul Begley's show today, I uh, was reading through Paul McGuire's book Mass Awakening and stumbled across the Brzezinski quote that talked about the coming climate in this mass political awakening and how we're going to see a political awakening. Like never before, thanks to social engineering through the internet or via the internet. Yep. And there's a good and an evil to it. You have shows like Pastor Paul Begley or our show or Russ Dizdar's show or Dr. Ted Border's show that are trying to just bring you the facts with the truth of the Lord. Then you have the other side that is gaining traction, sadly. Um, you know, you have people rooting for these cop killings. You have people feeling so disenfranchised that this is their only road to turn to, it seems, or this is the choice they make for whatever reason. And it's continuing to be engineered in a way that is a divide and and conquer strategy. And they want, I mean, they want the people so divided against themselves that they can't stand to fight anything else. And we're already there. Uh, This, as you said, and as your source said years ago, will continue to spiral out of control unless good men and women step up to stop it. We're watching the devolving, the de- really the devolving of, of our society, and, and it, this is extremely sad in my view because it can be stopped if it's recognized. The reason we go through this every night is to inform, educate, and, and I, I like to think educate anyway to, to bring people the information, knowledge, that can be turned into power so you can in turn educate and inform others. This is something that I think that, that we need to do because we need to understand the enemy here. The bigger enemy, of course, is the Luciferian agenda. And who's behind all of this, of course, is, is, is the satanic agenda, the Luciferian left, the, the people like Hillary Rodham, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton, and people like George Soros. You know, you start getting into the funding. I mean, you, you can get into all of the, the, the various groups, and, and we have, uh, but, but for example, Black Lives Matter, uh, Alicia Garza, one of the people who started Black Lives Matter. Well, Garza um, is actually the uh, special projects director for the National Domestic Workers Alliance Association, all right, NDWA. All right, now think about this. The NDWA, I mean, because the question anyone should ask is, Who's paying for all of this? Who's paying for the protesters? Who's paying for the blocks of rooms? And we all know, hey, well, it's George Soros. Well, wait a second. It's not just George Soros. It's other organizations with other people tied into this. For example, Alicia Garza, who's this 
self-avowed uh, socialist and part of the Black Lives Matter per, uh, organization. Uh, she, of course, is the special projects director, as I mentioned, of the NDWA, which is the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Well, the NDWA took in $5.5 million back in 2013. The board members includes two uh, members of Casa de Maryland, the illegals version of ACORN. All right? You see how all of this is kind of wrapping up and all the tentacles are wrapping around um, these uh, these organizations. CASA also received a grant from NDWA in 2013, as did the Institute for Policy Studies, where have we heard that before. Now, they also received funding from... Uh, uh, man, you know, I, I can go through this. And are you going to remember... Are people going to remember all of this? Probably not. You've got millions upon millions upon millions of dollars from organizations so far left to center, politically left to center, and social left to center. But they all trace back to the communist agenda. And a lot of these, and at the root of this, or at, at the one of the epicenters of all of this, and think about this, the Clinton Foundation, and this is, I believe, this is one of the reasons why the Clintons so far have not been indicted, and the, I, I do believe the Clinton Foundation is at the, at the center of a lot of laundering uh, of, of money. This is my personal view. All right. I, do I have any proof of this? I don't at the moment. But as I'm looking at the Clinton Foundation, I'm seeing a lot of money coming in from other governments, especially those in the Middle East, and, and uh, funding many of the movements that we referenced here. Funding many of the movements uh, that include the very same movements that are responsible for or otherwise uh, facilitating or perpetuating this violence against police officers. The uh, And the people who are, are people like Alicia Garza, Patrice uh, Cullors, and uh, Opal Tometi, these are the people behind the, the nice side of Black Lives Matter. Well, they're receiving money, of course, from uh, these organizations. And mainstream funders have helped fund Black Lives Matter as well. United Way has partnered with A&E and iHeartMedia, for example, to create the Shining or Shining the Light Advisors, which is a committee of nationally known experts and leaders in racial and social justice, whatever that means, to grant to, to oversee granted disbursements. And these advisors. Who's on their board? Who are they? Who, who, who's the advisors? How about Van Jones, Advancement Project co-director Judith Brown uh, Dianis, Rin Kusen, president of the Applied Research Center. Black Lives um, Matters mission includes a, just a whole host of favorite left causes. You have them in the White House. You have yes. them in these. Uh, uh, they are connected politically. They oh, are of course. basically becoming a political party, even though um, we see that the fruits of, of their work are is violence. But, they, but yeah, yeah, but but it all comes down to uh, okay, you're 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 right. It's it's um, a, a wide network of affiliates and partner organizations 
CPUSA, for example, Communist Party USA, ACORN, that allows the funding that provides the opportunity to turn out large, large crowds, which then provides the opportunity for the violent protests to commit violence, to loot, or just simply protest, or all of the above. And when you, once more, the FRSO, prominent at the Ferguson protests, had a prominent presence there, and videotaped the event, and then hosted it through other groups. Um, if you look at FRSO organizations involved with Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, you, you can see Black Left Unity, which is a Marxist-Leninist organization that supports favored causes of the communist left, including unity with Cuba, <laughs> war against capitalism, and that is also uh, that also bred Occupy Wall Street. You've got Black Workers for Justice. That's a North Carolina-based group which claims to struggle on behalf of oppressed nationalities. Then you've got Causa Justa, or Just Cause, which is a black Hispanic society, organization, allied with Grassroots Global Justice Alliance, RTTC, and others. Big money in this uh, stuff. Hands Up United. (laughs) They work for the liberation of the oppressed black person. Black, brown, and poor through education, art, and civil disobedience, advocacy, and agriculture. Um, I can go on and on, but but see, what we're seeing here is is finally one person at the top, or well, one person at the top had to really organize and orchestrate this, like a conductor of the symphony. Mm-hmm. You've got all these portions of the sym- symphony. You got the woodwinds and the. I don't know, Eric. You're the you're the music guy. You know all the different kinds of uh, woodwinds and strings <laughs> and brass. And, so Obama's the conductor, you know, with the little tap thing. You know, the, he's the, I don't know. He could be on a string himself, but yeah, well, he's in there. Uh, but but he's the face of yeah. these groups out there, and, and they're all making this. They're all making this statement today. Um, this is why, and, and we talked about this, Joe. This is why I believe, and we believe. That there will be additional ambushes on 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 yep. police. You're going to see the death total rising from eight to eighteen. You're going to see and then more before anything ever changes. You're going to see um, uh, ultimately a cry through these attacks on police officers, a cry to alter or somehow give up the second or you know change the second amendment. We already saw this in Cleveland, where where uh, the police had, had, had petitioned Kasich, K, uh, Kasich, uh, governor of of Ohio, to to uh, to suspend open carry in Cleveland outside of the convention center. I understand the I understand the rationale behind this, but that's to me that's the wrong approach. Now again, I value the lives of our of our men and women in blue. I value that tremendously. I think I always I am on the side of law enforcement, but I think to once you once you start down that path, you're going down a path that's you you, you can't go back. Once you say, well, we're going to suspend this part of the Constitution right now, because well, man, in a, there's a state of emergency. No, that's not addressing the problem. That's addressing the symptom of a problem. You've got a much bigger problem when you start talking like that. And I understand again. I understand the, the rationale, and I understand the police officer is on Fox News yesterday, making this 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 
he pled his case if you watch this. I mean, he was like angry and, and, and I think it was on Fox News. I, I had all three. There was one on, uh, with Don, an interview that Don Lemon did with a sheriff. I think it was a Baton Rouge sheriff. Not 100% sure on that, but it was, uh, a very, uh, tense interview as this Don Lemon was basically, um, backing up the Black Lives Matter and, and trying to make the sheriff look bad and he kind of, you know, gave it to, to Don Lemon. Um, but folks, you can find that video. I think it, it's all over the internet by now. And, and, you know, speaking of that too, um, to go kind of a step in, in another direction, but on the same, the, the people who are uh, being interviewed and being showcased right now on some of the on, on some of the major media, uh, whether it's Fox or MSNBC. I mean, you had, you had Amanda Carpenter basically uh, saying that uh, now Amanda Carpenter, by the way, it was closely linked to, to uh, Ted Cruz, and reportedly had. And again, this is what's being reported now. I don't I don't know, but reportedly had an affair with Ted Cruz. And again, I don't know, but this is what's being reported. But Amanda Carpenter. Basically, um, saying that, uh, um, well, backing the anti-Trump protesters in Cleveland. Okay, yesterday on on, uh, I believe it's Fox News, and and this is a celebrated conservative voice to some. You, you see how this narrative is being shaped by events. You've got Donald Trump being blamed for the civil disobedience that's taking mm-hmm. place, the protests. You've got the um, Donald Trump uh, being blamed for um, uh, basically everything that's ta- taking place by the the people who have an agenda and are coming at him with a vengeance, and I say that in that way intentionally. But please take a look at the bigger picture here. Please take a look at how we're going, where we're going, the trajectory of of our of our nation, because. When we see the next police shooting, and we will, you're going to see additional cries for suspension of our liberties. Okay. And it's just understand you're being played. It's you're, you're being gamed. It's deliberate. Um, yeah. And I, I said all that too. And it's interesting because the Dow opened amid all of this, amid Turkey, the, the global tensions and. And Baton Rouge and everything. What the Dow opened today at some record high? What, did I hear yeah, that right? Eighteen uh, thousand five hundred and and some. And it and it maintained its uh, value throughout the day, even though we had one of the more massive days of uh, dollar dumping uh, uh-huh. of of Treasury bond dumping since the collapse back in two thousand and eight, two thousand nine. Um, we got news on that and also news on, uh, new federal, federal reserve policies, um, and what they're looking at in their next step, um, plan, uh, to consolidate more economic power. But today, foreign ownership of U.S. debt was, uh, some of the highest we've seen in years. And this from Yahoo News, foreign holdings of U.S. Treasury securities fell for the second straight month in May. The Treasury Department says total foreign holdings dropped 0.5% to $6.21 trillion, just after slip, slipping 0.8% to $6.24 trillion in April. 
Japan, the second biggest foreign owner of treasury securities, reduced its holdings by 0.8%. And China, the biggest investor in treasuries, increased its holdings. Um, but the, nation, the national debt is uh, $19.4 trillion, and it is expected <laughs> to continue to grow, which means the U.S. will need to, uh, foreigners to keep buying their treasury securities. And we know where where this goes. Um, just look at Venezuela. Uh, over the weekend, there was 123,000 um, citizens of Venezuela fleeing the uh, country to find food in the neighboring country of Colombia, and their inflation is set to top 1,600 percent into next year. Um, I, you know, we can learn a lot from what we're seeing take, taking place in Venezuela. I believe. Yeah. Watch what's watch what's they happening. They were an armed population ten right. years ago. They were uh, an oil-rich capitalist nation fifteen years ago. And socialism really took over at uh, at the in Venezuela. But but I think as we watch the we watch the economy of Venezuela devolve. And watch a tank. I think we could take lessons. Uh, what are people doing? How are they? How are they buying their food? I don't, are, are there lines? Are, are there? Um, is there? You know, some sort of um, what? Some sort of system that they're involved in in terms of? Do they have to pledge allegiance to a certain political organization? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. By the way, uh, in order to to get their food. Yes, yeah, yes, over a hundred thousand Venezuelans, some of who drove throughout the night in caravans, crossed into Colombia over the weekend to hunt for food and medicine, as they are in short supply at home. It was the second weekend in a row that Venezuelan social government opened the long closed border with Colombia, and by six a.m. Sunday, a line of would-be shoppers snaked through the entire town of San Antonio del Tetra, and some traveled ten hours to cities ten hours away. Um, over 120,000 people due oh. to food and supply shortages We're due to the socialism that, that yeah. is the head of the government's policy there of, uh, oh, goodness. It, it, well, Chavez, regardless, this is, you know, the, the Fabian socialist model that we're seeing today. Folks, understand what is happening, and this is the intended uh, outcome for the United States, and this is by design. We'll be right back with Hour 3 on this Monday edition right after this. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Or it's the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, 
Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this final segment of the Hagman Hagman Report, the final hour that is of the Hagman Hagman Report, and uh, you, you know it, it's it's a it's troubling today to me. Um, I've got friends in law enforcement. I've got uh, I got friends who are retired from law enforcement. I've got I talk to people in uh, who are patrol officers. Officer Sean, if you're listening, please be safe out there in your car. There, there are bad people in every organization. There are situations, folks, that happen that are taken out of context or are exploited for political purposes. Certainly the loss of life. The inexplicable loss of life is, is beyond anything that, uh, that we as a nation should um, that we as a, that we as a nation should be experiencing. I, I say I say that knowing, of course, the both the mercy and judgment of God. All right, but and, and I think we have to look at begin to look at this in a in a larger, not philosophical or introspective sense, but a spiritual sense. I think that's what's lacking, especially in the media and certainly in politics. And I believe that we're, we're seeing events accelerate significantly. I mean, look at what has shifted. Has something not shifted? Have some, have things become far more serious than they were even six weeks or six months ago? Of course they have. We saw the, what could be, what has been described as the worst mass shooting in Orlando. We, we saw the massacre, the ambush of five Dallas police officers. We've seen the horrifying rampage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the horrifying rampage in Nice. Now, the brutal ambush of police officers in Baton Rouge. As well as several other, um, some minor, some not minor incidents across the country from a, a Daytona police car firebombed outside of an Islamic center yep. to a Missouri police officer paralyzed um, from a traffic stop shot in the neck to another officer uh, who was ambushed in a car um, just over the weekend. I can't, it's not, these are so common and frequent just in the last two weeks that it's getting hard to keep track of, of each and every one of them. You know, it, it, right. It used to be these uh, these reports were far in between 
I mean, they, right. they, they were not um, not every day or every other day, every week. Last when we first, week, when we first started this program, Joe, it, it wasn't like this. It no. was not like this. No, last week you had, uh, you know, after the Dallas incident, a man fires 17 shots into Indianapolis officers' patrol car. Yep. Um, you actually had security uh, detail of the police of a WNBA team leave because the team came out in Black Lives Matter T-shirts. You have yep. um, people taking sides in political, social, and sporting media, um, sports media. You have all these voices out there um, condemning uh, some, you know, propping up these actions and these movements. But it's all the, the solutions never given. The, the proper context it's never put into. It's always uh, playing into that divide and conquer strategy. Whereas I said earlier, shows like Pastor Paul Bagley's and Russ Dizdar's and our show, we will at least explain the biblical aspect of it and the role that Jesus Christ should play in every person's life, which should help guide their decisions um, if they're walking with the Lord, and which should be decisions in, in a walking in a spirit that is not of anger and violence and not of this world, nor is it getting caught up into the things of this world in a way that makes us uh, or shapes our actions or our thoughts. But right. sadly, right. people are, are, you know, we've we talked about the 80, uh, the attention deficit, you know, 140 words, 15 second, um, soundbite attention span that we have in this country. And, and you know, it's sad for me to see, it's sad for all of us, I think, to see the, uh, the, um, uh, people out there who feel the, the very same way that, that this Gavin Long creature did, where, there are so many people out there, and you can see it on the social networking, where they are, they're openly celebrating the shooting of police yeah. officers on Twitter and calling for more police officers to be killed. You know, to think about... And, and, um, and to take a step further before you go there, you have the Obama saying that, you know, the police need to be more tolerant. The police need to admit their mistakes. And when, you know, the uh, gay marriage passed in the United States, the rainbow was, was painted on the the White House. Um, sure. The, the light. celebration of the diversity and the, the moral depravity and, more than... Right. And Obama, you know, continues to say, we can't, we're not divided, we won't be divided. But uh, the, the White House spokesperson could not answer today why the White House would not be lit in blue, uh, paying respects to the... Uh, the the dead police officers and uh, President Obama's top spokesman wouldn't say why the Obama administration rejected requests to illuminate the White House in blue to honor the police officers gunned down in Dallas and Baton Rouge. The same reason, Joe, that 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 the the renegade, this Marxist Leninist, Leninist Luciferian pig in the White House, it, it, it would not. Well, it's the same spirit behind, and I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to apologize for that comment. It's the same spirit that uh, that it's not lit up in blue in honor of of the, the the heroes that ran toward the fire. I mean, did you folks? Did you hear the accounts of the heroism of the the people in, of, of the law enforcement officers in Baton Rouge? And, and these are the same 
uh, people, police officers, who are protecting the rights of the, of the, of the people who are calling on, on the death, of, their death, Black Lives Matter people, in, in places like Cleveland, Ohio, and other parts of the country. They're protecting the very people that are out to kill them or want to see them dead. And, and you know, it's something, it, 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 it angers me, because Obama can sit with, with a contingent of, 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 of um, um, security that, that'll lay down their lives. I'll take a bullet for him and his disdain as Hillary Clinton's disdain for the very people who would take a, a bullet for them is absolutely sickening. And you had mentioned, Joe, the, the discourse between, uh, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, okay, and, and, uh, Don, Don Lemon from CNN. CNN, right. You had mentioned this, and Maria Canis, the author of Prepare for Persecution, which go to Amazon, folks, and buy Prepare for Persecution. It's a great book. Um, If you look at the body language of that video, first of all, Don Lemon uh, is very disrespectful to the police officer in words and in body language looks very uncomfortable. Well, you know, it's... Look, Sheriff of Milwaukee County, David Clark, he's got this no-holds-bar attitude uh, toward politics. He described Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, as anti-gun bigots. He told uh, lawmakers to leave the police alone. He's pointed out um, and has pointed out in an affront to political correctness that 90, 93% of black homicides are committed by yeah. other black people. And right. see, if when, when we say that, of course, they we're, we're racist. Okay? It's actually from the 2015 FBI statistics, right. more white people were killed by police officers than black people. Yes, we had the numbers right here, too. And Don Lemon is given these facts, um, and he tries to tell the police officer that the police officer or the sheriff is reading the facts wrong, then he goes on to backtrack a little and says, well, that was a very small study um, by certain municipalities and, and small police departments. Uh, basically, I mean, he looks like a, Don Lemon looks like an idiot in that, um, and he, he comes off very cold. Well, when Clark, when Clark was on that, in that interview, in this, um, in this write-up, I'm, I'm trying to, let's see, who, who's the, this was published, um, on World Net Daily, actually. But during the interview, he said that, uh, I've been watching this, uh, the, the sheriff, by the way, um, Milwaukee County Sheriff Dave Clark saying, I've been watching this for two years now. Uh, I, I predicted this, Clark told CNN. The anti-police rhetoric sweeping the country has turned out, or turned out some hateful things inside of people. They're now playing, playing out against uh, the American police officer. He said that the Black Lives Matter movement inspires violence against police officers. And then CNN and Lemon, they said, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give us suspicious. Uh, CNN and Lemon uh, said that they wanted specifics, but Clark didn't give them any. Well, no, no. Uh, Lemon char- uh, charged into the interview about the Baton Rouge uh, shootings of, uh, of police citing authorities there. Their message is peace and coming together in the country. What's your message? Lemon demanded the exchange. Now, here's what followed, and this is what you were talking about earlier. Clark said, you don't believe that for one minute, do you? Meaning the message is peace and coming together in the country. What's your message? Okay, so you don't believe that for one minute, do you? Is Clark's statement. Then Lemon responded, "That's why. Uh, that's what they said to me. Yeah, I believe them." And then Clark said, "This are there protests over the deaths of cops in Baton Rouge, Lemon? I don't know that." Clark said, 
are any uh, any riots or protests over the police officers in Dallas, Texas? Lemon said. What are you asking? Clark explained, according to CNN, my message has been clear from day one or two years ago. The anti-cop sentiment from this hateful ideology called Black Lives Matter has fueled this rage against the American police officer. I predicted this two years ago. That, to be specific as to what you were saying, and thank mm-hmm. you, Maria Cadiz, author of Prepare for Persecution, for sending that to us. But when, we, when you look at the, this with a wide-angle lens and you look at the shootings um, in, in the run-up to, to Baton Rouge, the shooting there, uh, the uh, there was a gang, including boys aged, what, 12 and 13 years old. They were arrested as they tried to steal handguns. Mm-hmm. Okay, They were uh, planning to an attack the on the Baton, Baton Rouge police officers. Right, right. And the authorities discovered the alleged plot while responding to a burglary at a pawn shop. We had talked about this back on, on June 9th. They arrested one sus- suspect, Antonio Thomas, 17, at the scene with a handgun and a BB gun. During questioning, Thomas said that he and three other suspects stole the firearms and were going to get the bullets to shoot police. And Baton Rouge police were on alert at that time. And, and I can tell you from from talking with, with my law enforcement friends, that there's this surreal mental thing. You don't, I mean, you know the threat is there, but you do expect at the end of your shift, you to go home at the end of your shift. I mean, the, the default setting mentally is, yeah, it, it, the threat's there. But it won't happen, it won't happen here in this community that I've been policing for 10 years, maybe 10 weeks, but 10 years or 20 years. But now you're going to see this mass exodus of police officers out of municipal departments. You are now going to see Obama or his predecessor, I believe, and, and this is the, to me, this is the big objective here, is to federalize police forces. Remember the army that Obama was talking about? Could it very well be the army that is Black Lives Matters, that, that is the army of of the Nation of Islam? Could it be that army, or could it be the army of federalized police officers? You take a you, you take a municipal police officer, and you take what they do and their job, and compare that to a a federal officer. Much different. One, I believe, at least in my view, is much more political. It's much more politically dictated, dictated by by political agenda, and different different entities altogether. But I do believe that, um, as, as we see this, uh, the opening of the Republican National Convention, and I pray for the safety of everyone there, as I would pray for the safety of everyone at the Democratic Convention as well. The events of the last uh, eight years, in particular, have, have put a big, fat, juicy target for Islamic terrorists, for the haters of police, or anyone else intent on making this huge statement to kill a cop, and I and I, and I pray that doesn't happen. But I know it's going to happen, whether it be at the Republican National Convention, Democratic Convention, or somewhere else in this country. We'll wake up to another headline, like we did Sunday morning. And and you know one more thing in, in this. Um, you know, I've known a lot of people who've died violently. And that's why no one wants to be my friend. 
<laughs> um, on my, uh, I had a good friend that, in fact, uh, EMS, when, when I worked EMS, we, uh, we partnered together for, I don't know, six months. And, uh, he used to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the, the test for the police department. He's a good, good guy, physically fit. And, uh, I used to, we used to kid around with each other. I said, nah, you're not. And I said, I'll take it with you. And, you know, well, he, he got a, he got a job with the Houston police department. And, uh, it was the night that, um, night that I got married. It was a traffic stop. He was wearing a bulletproof vest and it actually had a ride along at the time. Pulled over a car that, um, oh, it was a traffic stop. And there's a woman from the city council that was riding along with him. Walked up to the window and took three bullets, one to the groin, and well, anyway, he passed away from his injuries, and that was back in 1991. Loss of a good friend, and, and I thought, man, I'm, I'm glad this doesn't happen every day, because by that time he was married, he had a daughter, two da- actually, nice family, and and they did ultimately catch the people that that shot him. But his wife goes to the parole hearing every every parole hearing. I just can't imagine the um, and, and the reason I mention that is I cannot imagine the grief. The grief being experienced, as as I saw yesterday. When we were in uh, Montana, we got a chance to listen to Greg Evenson give a speech. And Greg Evenson was a state trooper um, for the length of his career. And he told a a very moving story about a partner he had who was killed during a a road stop. That was very moving. But, I mean, it's a different atmosphere out there today like you said i wonder in the in the you know locker rooms of of um police precincts you talked about you know most police officers expect to go home they, or, yeah or, yeah they do i mean but how many you know you know every time a call comes in are thinking in the back of their mind could this be an ambush could this be uh us being set up to be killed knowing that the police uniform is nothing but a, a big target anymore, and, and, and I, I I don't understand for one moment. And, and this is just me talking emotionally. I don't understand one minute, one second, how in the hell you can't blame Obama for this, this attitude. How in the hell can't you can't you ascribe some of the blame to, to to this this lawless one that's in the White House, this black guy in the White House? He says he's black. He's Arab, not necessarily black. He said today police can make the job of being a cop a lot safer by admitting their failures. Right, and then, 
Hillary Clinton doing the same thing, saying essentially the same thing. Whites need to change their ways. Is what Hillary Clinton and you said and, last and, week. and we get and we get emails that we're racist. We're not fueling fueling this. Statistics don't. Statistics are statistics. If ninety three percent of 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 the black homicides are by other blacks, stating that does not make us racist. Seeing and and looking in the eyes uh, of a widow whose husband was just succumbed to injuries. Doing this job from somebody doing their job, <clears throat> and and you've got this this black renegade in the White House who refuses to light the the White House up in in honor of the the fallen ones. Why? Because he's part of it. He's part of it. He's got blood on his hands. He's left this country battered. Imagine the history books if we are around, or if anyone is around to read them. How the legend, the legacy of Barack Hussein Obama, the second, what's his legacy going to be? Leaving this country bloodied, black and blue, battered. The only people that are sticking up for this guy are either the criminally insane or certifiable insane in my view or perhaps the people who are benefiting by the programs that <coughs> that allow him to or allow them to get their wares for nothing. Oh and by the way I do believe based on everything that, that we were that, that we saw yesterday I do believe that there may not have been more than one shooter, but certainly there were more than one people involved in this conspiracy. And it was a conspiracy. And it's not over. And if you notice that the shooter, uh, Gavin Long, is from Kansas City, in Baton Rouge, in the wake of the Alton Sterling verdict, you're going to see much more of that, the importation of, of these people, these perpetrators, all across the country. Go ahead. You've got stuff to get into. I'm I'm going off on a tangent here, so I don't want to do that. Well, um, back to the the White House not being lit up. Just to let people understand, um, the president, top spokesman, wouldn't say why the administration is rejecting a request to illuminate the White House in blue in order to honor the officers gunned down in Dallas and Baton Rouge. Now, Josh Ernest, the press secretary, uh, when asked questions Monday uh, about uh, lighting the White House Blue, as receiving plenty of calls from police departments and others that do so, said, I do not suspect that this is something that we will do. But when asked why not, Ernest was not ready to answer. Instead, he highlighted all the other steps the White House has taken to support the police. He said, obviously, the president did travel to Dallas uh, for last week's memorial service for the five slain police officers right, where there. he mentioned I himself, what, 45 times? Uh, yes, he did. Um, and this article from the Washington Examiner goes on to point out that the White House has been illuminated in other colors before to mark its support for various causes. In 2013, it was lit up in pink for breast cancer awareness. And in 2015, it was lit up 
in the LGBT rainbow to show support for the same-sex marriage. Sure. Ernest insisted that the White House supports cops despite this symbolic move. Um, And the article goes on to say, all of this is an indication of just how strongly the president feels about the need to show our strong support for our men and women in law enforcement, Ernest said, including Obama's strong condemnation of the ambush that left three officers dead over the weekend. Um, it is just, you know, I would say passive aggressivism, uh, you know, passive aggressive attitude that Obama has that is, um, showing his true colors right now. And don't expect, uh, any sympathy from him as these attacks continue. At least not in his heart, uh, maybe not in his heart. I shouldn't say that, but it's not clear he's not making a clear distinction he's not saying you know um folks who are targeting cops need to stop no of course not no. he is telling the police they need to change their ways in order for this it's uh, blame the victim uh, you, you right. know and that's the same thing with the trump protesters uh, yeah it's the same thing um and it's been the same thing since he's been in office now mo- moving on here to um another topics other be, be, before you go on, on other topics, show I just would ask everybody out there listening, please do something nice for a police officer, even if it's buying them a cup of coffee or her a cup of coffee, whatever. You, please do something nice and tell them you appreciate them. Get a box of donuts, go twenty five over the speed limit. There's a speed trap just so you, <laughs> you know. Here, <laughs> bad idea, yeah. <laughs> sir. I just wanted to stop you and give you these. Yeah, and you know, please as well, do do yourself and the police a favor. If you do get stopped in a traffic violation, please make it a little bit easier on the police officer. Um, turn the car, go all the way off to the side of the road. Turn the car off. Turn your interior lights on if it's night. Uh, put your keys on the dash. You know, roll down your window. Just make 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 it easy so the police officer. Uh, at least does not have that feeling, not knowing what he or she is approaching. All right, but at, at the very least, please do that. Please, um, and understand it is the the police. I mean, you, we all understand the police, what their what their job is. Um, but it's it's their. I mean, primarily, it's their safety comes first. In their minds, as well it should. So at least make it easy with, for the police on this. And and you know we we talk about the militarization of police departments. We talk about that. Yeah, and, and, Obama's and, continued his push to call for a federalized police force. Right. And and, and I heard the the one officer talking, uh, saying you know this is why Baton Rouge, for example, is why because that Gavin Long was shot at a hundred yards by uh, a, a police sniper in, in a fortified, from a fortified vehicle or behind a fortified vehicle and had that vehicle not been present and other vehicles that are fortified not been present more deaths could have happened so, but but I mean, it's, it's, certainly we're not in favor of militarized police in the sense of the communist countries but the rules, the game has changed a little bit here in this country. Now, I'm not making excuses for the militarization. 
the, but it's not, it's, it's a federal agenda. Is it not, Joe? I mean, isn't this a federal agenda that, that we're seeing? Yeah. All right. Um, but the, so go on and I, I just wanted to make sure. Just know, do something nice Department for Department of Homeland Security and TSA right. and the increase we see in the, um, hirings of officers in those departments. That is a separate police force where over 3,000 Homeland Security personnel are being deployed to the RNC and the DNC. Uh, just this week, so and, and you heard Josh Tully talk about the three layers of security. Right, it's not only a local police effort, but a state and federal joint police effort, um, and separate constitutional, you know, zones set up in these in these conventions that are uh, un-American. I mean, just bottom line, you know, you have free speech zones and constitution-free zones and. Um, well, the it's it's all NDAA and other bull crap in, in yeah. that respect. I I believe that he, he, these free speech zones are are totally unconstitutional, and you know it's, it's it amazes me that the populace will will complain about well wait a minute they can open carry but they won't they won't complain about the restriction of free speech. <laughs> okay, uh, I I I don't I don't get it. Okay. Um, I just I don't I don't quite understand, but that's just me. All right, I hope you, are you going to get into uh, Iran? I'm going to do that right now. I got two separate good because uh, important because stories on Iran. How we've been this segment is going to be termed "How We Got Screwed by Obama and Valerie Jarrett on Iran." Go. Okay. Well, before we get to the lying and, and secretive uh, part that the Obama administration hid from the American people, the Congress. And the Senate, while making the Iran deal, Tehran has got its first batch of missiles for the S-300 complex. Now, uh, Russia delivered its first consignment of surface-to-air missiles, S-300 air defense complexes, supplied Iran earlier, earlier this year. The initial contract calls for delivery of at least five S-300 air defense batteries. Iranian's air defense commander um, said earlier this month that all purchased S-300 systems will be fully functional by the end of the ongoing Iranian year, which ends on March 20th, 2017. And this goes on to list the um, schedule that these missile systems will be delivered from Russia to Iran uh, from a deal that stemmed back from 2007, uh, revived in April 2015 by Putin along with uh, six world powers signing the nuclear deal, which we're going to get into. Um, this is an AP exclusive document. <laughs> shows less limits on Iran nuke work uh, deal, and confidential or confidential text eases the Iran nuke constraints. Now, key restrictions on the Iranian nuclear program imposed under an internationally ago- negotiated deal will start to ease years before the 15-year accord expires, advancing Tehran's ability to build a bomb even before the end of the pact, according to a document obtained by the Associated Press. The confidential document is the only text linked to last year's deal between Iran and the six foreign powers that has not been made public yet, although U.S. officials and members of Congress who express interest were briefed on its substance. Uh, a diplomat, remaining anonymous, confirmed by another diplomat, handed this document over to the AP, where they shared, 
in the agreement in the nuclear deal um, formed a document by submitting to Iran to the International Atomic Energy Agency outlining its plan to expand uranium enrichment program after the first 10 years of the nuclear deal. But, while formally separate from the bigger bigger nuclear accord that was in effect uh, and approved by the U.S., Russia, China, Britain, France, and Germany, the details published earlier uh, outline restraints on the nuclear program that aren't necessarily true and, in fact, the uh, secret confidential text that was just released shows that Iran will be able to build a bomb in less than half the time that was laid out in what the president said was the deal that was made with Iran that was given to the public, the information from that deal that was given to the public. So boiling it down, the Obama administration and the deal they made with the Iranians on their nuclear program was basically half a lie or more than half no, a lie. No, it was a 100% lie and it was a lie that was orchestrated by none other than Deputy, Deputy National Security, Security Advisor Ben Rhodes. Now that's squirrely little weasel. Okay. And I believe, just as an aside, Ben Rhodes was neck deep in the, the, um, um, uh, you want to know who created that PDF file? Um, Obama's birth certificate, Ben Rhodes, but that's just, that's an aside. But Ben Rhodes is the guy that sold the lie to the American people. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's that guy that said everything's going to be just fine. As a matter of fact, Ben Rhodes, um, uh, in Rhodes' narrative, if you will, about the Iran deal, the negotiations between his boss, which is Barry Satoro, and the ostensibly moderate Hassan Rouhani from Iran, um, that took place right after that the moderate was elected. This document should be a huge blow to the Obama administration and should show the depth of deception that it uses against the not only the American people, but if you remember, the our own government officials, elected officials, were not allowed to read what was in the document. They were not allowed to take uh, notes, can't right. do anything. No, that's right. And what this de- what the secret deal does, um, instead of uh, what they did was put a time on how long it would take Iran to enrich uranium, enough uranium to build a bomb and gave it a timetable of 15 to 20 years. What this does is cut that time in half it, it ensures that Iran is allowed to work more with centrifuges. It gives them uh, more tools and ability to enrich the uranium, and it allows them to do that in a much quicker time frame than what was outlined or that was said to be outlined in the initial deal. And the initial deal, apparently, was nothing uh, close to resembling what the actual deal was because now we see that the probation on Iran's pursuit of nuclear weapons uh, is cut in less than half the time that was said to have but, been right. the uh, capabilities to produce nuclear missiles um, but, but was see, cut in yeah, half oh, due to the uh, lax restrictions on this, the, the truth of the, the restrictions that were on this deal. But Obama is, okay, Obama told Rhodes to sell this to the American public as it's either this or war, nuclear war. In other words, um, a choice between peace and war. That's the, the, the only two choices. Mm-hmm. So we have to agree to this nuclear arms deal. Now, you or remember Obama saying deal. that. 
nuclear deal. Well, r- right, but Rhodes is the guy who polished the story in the, you know, the, uh, in the punch bowl and sold it to the American people. Ben Rhodes, okay, that's the character who really is responsible for uh, perpetuating the lie to the American people about Iran. It's either peace or war. You're right, Obama did say it, but Rhodes polished it up and then sent it out. And he's the one that created this this uh, the social networking about Iran. And, and, and uh, uh, he's... you got to understand who Ben Rhodes is, too. Please, you understand who Ben Rhodes is. And he's the one as well that uh, was responsible for, uh, in part, for keeping Netanyahu from from launching a preemptive attack against Iran, and saying, "Hey, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it, Ben. Mm -hmm. BB, don't worry about it, BB. Everything's going to be fine. We we got your back." Well, um, pundits and and other people are now saying that this uh, is putting Israel in more of an unsafe position, as you just stated that. Uh, that they say that they will strike if they feel Iran is close to finishing a nuclear weapon, that they will launch a preemptive strike. Um, And it creates more instability in the already war-torn Middle East. And what it does is it lessens the sanctions and it lessens the um, country's uh, ability and surplus to make these nuclear weapons and the nuclear weapon production, it gives them more of the ingredients, the manpower, the capabilities to put these weapons together in a much faster pace than what was outlined in the supposed deal. It was never supposed to be about weapons. It was about right. nuclear power. But then why why does such an oil-rich country in a coal-rich country need nuclear power necessarily, especially given the track record behind them, of course. And, and you've got the Jarrett factor in there. I mean, really, Jarrett from Iran, and, and, and it, no. it doesn't take an investigator, Dick Tracy, to put this together. No, that's right. So, uh, I mean, we're, 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 we're seeing the actual formation of the, of the final, uh, Confederation of Nations, I believe, in the, as predicted, uh, the Isaiah 17, Psalm 83 War, Bill Salas talks about it, others talk about the, the final Confederation of Nations where, where Damascus is going to be a ruinous heap, uh, Syria, I believe it's going to be central to at the epicenter of the, uh, uh of, of the, Third World War. I suppose what we're seeing now is we're we're well into a Third World War, at least the, the run up to it with the with the alien mass invasion in Western Europe, the complete change of complexion of Western Europe, and so on. So uh, now it's just we're just waiting for the missiles to fly. But what we're seeing today is that very well. It's it's really. I mean, we're in well into well down the road of war. I want to hit this article. National health spending to exceed $10,000 per person for the first time. National health spending is projected to exceed $10,000 per person for the first time in 2016, according to an announcement from federal health officials. Right. Na- national health expenditures will hit $3.35 trillion this year, up almost 5% from last year, according to a paper written by officials at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Wait a second, wait a second, wait, it can't be, because Obamacare, Nancy Pelosi and Obama, and don't forget Hillary Care, remember Hillary Care? Romney Care. Yeah, well, Romney Care, the blueprint for Obamacare, but but he's, uh, hang on a second. Where it's was not supposed over. To, oh, wait a second, it was it supposed was to cost to, us less. It was. 
but now officials project that the health spending growth from 2015 to 2025 will average 5.8% a year. Yeah. Which will exceed growth in gross domestic product by 1.3%. Currently, healthcare spending represents 17.5% of the economy. Healthcare spending projected to account for over one-fifth or 20.1% of the entire economy in 2025. Following the initial effects of the Affordable Care Act on healthcare spending and insurance coverage, increases in economic growth, faster growth in medical prices, and population aging are expected to be the primary drivers of national health spending and coverage trends over the next decade, the paper uh, estimates. Now, the first on that list was the Affordable Care Act, which what you just mentioned was supposed to lower health care prices. Of course. Which, obviously, it does nothing of the sort. <laughs> How you liking your health care now, 20%? The or, Affordable Care Act continues yeah. to keep overall health spending growth at a modest level and at a lower growth rate than the previous two decades, according to Andy uh, Slavitt, the acting administrator for the Centers for Medicaid and Medi- uh, Medicare Services. But the per capita spending and medical inflation also res- uh, remain at historically modest levels, and they say that demonstrating our importance to continuing to reform the system will help, but that's um, the administration and the Affordable Care Act is the reason for this growth rate, and as it's stated at the beginning of the article, um, it is going to encompass over one-fifth of our GDP within 10 years, and it has oh, top ten thousand dollars per person up, living in the U.S. right now in this yeah. year, which is the highest oh. it's ever been. And 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 there it is because it ain't free, folks. No matter who tells you what, it ain't free. That's right. All right, I I, I have to get into this because obviously I don't know how many people have heard this, but uh, uh, Patricia Smith. Did you hear this? Um, mm-hmm. The, the um, the, the the mother of uh, oh yeah of, uh, ben, uh, one of the Benghazi victims says Hillary deserves okay. to be in stripes. Well, yeah. Okay, so Chris Matthews come, comes on on TV today and said the, uh, the GOP ruined their evening with Benghazi victims' mother's speech. Listen to this, okay? Um, Chris Matthews reacted to the RNC speech delivered by the mother of one of the Benghazi victims, by saying the GOP ruined their evening with that speech. Matthews, Chrissy baby, tore into this, and I quote, let me be, let me be here, Matthews tore into this gross accusation that somehow Hillary Clinton had anything to do with the death of Chris Stevens and three other victims. He didn't understand why in this convention that they would choose to Put up with this on prime, or put this up on prime time television, and said it's just not true. No matter what Smith's personal feelings are, all right. Again, here's here's Chris Matthews. This this twit, okay, uh, Tingles Matthews, who's calling the mother of Sean Smith, who who died in Benghazi, as well, who's saying that, that, that she ruined the, the convention, basically ruined the evening by appearing. And uh, they ruined their evening with this, Chrissy Tingles Matthews said. How dare you? How dare you? 
little little emotional uh, outburst there on my part because, frankly, number one, I, or, frankly, I just I, I look at Matthews and it just makes me want to vomit because you look at a guy like this who's uh, I don't know. I, I, I there's nothing I can Brett, say on this that Brett Hume like said something on Fox News when she, the mother said that about Hillary, and he said, uh, "I guess in her own mind." Something along those lines. Brett Hume did? Yes. On uh, when? On, uh, when he was, um, you know how they do the split screen with the yeah. you know, show on the convention and having yeah. commentators? Well, this was uh, something that I read while we were on air here. That so it was his response to the Benghazi uh, victim mother. What, that it was inappropriate? Out of place that it was in her own mind. In her own mind. All right. right. See, so you have, again, Hillary's not really responsible. Okay, you can. I can accept those words coming from a Chris Tingles Matthews, who basically has got a double-digit IQ. If that, in my personal opinion, again, all right. Now, when you have Brit Hume, who the people watch on Fox News and look up to, the social and and moral and and or social conservatives and fiscal conservatives and and, and most people have a level of respect for Brett Hume and he, this and he comes he out with something like sure this. in her own mind Hillary is responsible well uh, you know here we have this and of course this this globalist infiltration of the media and of course this is nothing new I mean Brett Hume has been around he's a dinosaur Matthews you might as well say the same thing about him um, but the fact of the matter is this woman lost her son in Benghazi. We're finally getting some traction on the fact that a lot of bad stuff happened in Benghazi. And re- regardless, the truth comes out, and and then you've got you've got these twits like uh, 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 like Matthews and, and even Hume in this case, really mucking up the uh, the airwaves by saying, "Okay, well, you know, it's only in her own mind." Well, no. Now, her son is dead. We've got three other people in addition to her son dead and uh, a whole lot of weapons that, that went up uh, went up to Syria to create this civil war. Uh, I guess we're not going to acknowledge that. I, I guess that's all just made up. And when you look at the... By the way, this is the other thing, too. When you look at the email, the Clinton email uh, gaps... There, there are supposed to be more deleted emails being released to the State Department here shortly. Well, right. If you look at, uh, and I'm looking at a chart, uh, but uh, uh, there's a gap from a, a very significant email gap uh, between, well, uh, right around the, the time that uh, uh, Hillary Clinton was in Libya on both sides of that uh prior to the Benghazi attack. And then right about from July of 2012 into February of 2013, there are no emails uh, that were turned over by or found from or on Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton's server. So just imagine that. Imagine the convenience of that. During her time as Secretary of State, the only time, really, of significance that emails were missing were several or a few months before the September 11th, 2012 attack, right through February of 2013, gone, missing emails. And, um, well, 
make you know make make of that what you will, but certainly I can see a pattern here. I mean, again, you don't have to be any type of investigator to see that the, the missing emails represent a potential exposure for Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton. And you know, this folks, I'm going to throw this out there because I I, I got to get this off my off my chest too. Uh, I don't know how many people remember or were around in 1972 when uh, McGovern, George McGovern campaign. Remember that? No, you don't remember that. Mm-hmm. The uh, and and I'm, I can see almost see this happening, maybe with a twist or something with the uh, Democratic convention. McGovern was running against Nixon. This is 1972. Remember this? McGovern running against Nixon and. Uh, Right up to the convention, in the middle of July 1972, the thousands of delegates arrived in Miami for the Democratic National Convention. Um, they went to the convention. The McGovern was the uh, insurgent candidate, they called him. And uh, he, he managed to, to alienate the, his own party, the Democratic old guard, shall we say. Uh, all their polling told them that Ted Kennedy at that time was the guy that they needed on their ticket. If they had him on their ticket, they would have a reasonable chance of beating Nixon. Well, long story short, anyway, McGovern got the nomination and then in, in a rather hastily pick, picked a guy by the name of uh, uh, Eagleton. All right. I don't know how many, again, I don't know how many people know Thomas Eagleton. Eagleton as a McGovern's Vice President nominee. A little bit of history. And then somebody, beginning in the press and then on the, in, in the D- Democratic Committee said, hey, George, you might want to check Thomas Eagleton's, uh, background a little bit. Shh, don't tell anyone, George, but you might want to check it out before you really run with this ticket. Yeah, it turns out that Eagleton had, uh, some medical issues actually had underwent electroshock therapy and uh it was basically I can't say that on air but but essentially had some uh mental health issues a lot of mental health issues so they had to dump Eagleton and of course the rest as you know is history a little bit of history what's that have to do with anything I'm not sure sorry I'm not sure but it sounded good it sounded like I knew what I was talking about right <laughs> Go ahead. Um, folks, I don't know how many people saw this today, nor do I know the importance, if any, this has. But in a bid for power, UN communist offers Obama a UN peace prize. Mm-hmm. UNESCO, right? And a major embarrassment for the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, mm. its chief, and the UN more broadly... A controversial UNESCO Peace Prize named after an African dictator was awarded to President Obama in what insiders say is just the latest instance of corruption at the scandal-plagued UN agency. This is another Peace Prize, or are we talking about the first, the other one he got? Okay, this is separate from the Nobel Peace Prize. It says it seems that the selection of Obama for the Felix uh, Hopewit Baloney Peace Prize was actually what, what? an underhanded effort to purchase the administration's support for UNESCO chief Arena Bokova okay. in her ongoing bid for the position for UN Secretary General. 
However, for obvious reasons, Obama still has not accepted the award, forcing UNESCO to scramble in its efforts to scrub all references to this year's winner of the UNESCO Prize, not to be confused with the now widely ridiculed Nobel Peace Prize, which Obama also won. It's not the first time that uh, Irina, a known Bulgarian communist currently enrolled in numerous corruption scandals, has abused her position at the UN agency to push her candidacy to lead the UN by cozying up to decision makers among the permanent Security Council members. This is prominent on the New American website. Yeah. Look, you know, all this, all this is, is just in my view. I mean, what they I mean, say here, it's the corruption inside the UN's um, organizations like UNESCO, and UNESCO is plays a big part in the um, Smart Cities Network that. Loretta Lynch and others had had backed up and, and rolled out. Uh, UNESCO, as it says here in the, is the educational, scientific, and cultural organization arm of the UN. It but, uh, is behind many of the um, terrible initiatives we see in our schools, in our um, social media, in our governments. Um, it's you know very radically left oriented this is you know what was behind uh, agenda 21 um part of the science behind uh, evolution was backed by unesco yeah under other agency names in different I, I times i get that I, I get that but i think in this case i think this is much ado about nothing in the form that in the in the in the, in the frame that, that well, you've got the only this, thing discredited uh, her this was the what the economist this lady is who the economist said could be the the first woman UN secretary general right whose last America. name we cannot pronounce but but yeah the communist uh laden uh peace prize by the by the UN and UNESCO and of course uh this is the same peace prize that was offered to uh, uh Francois Hollande of France what last year or the year before so i you know bottom line look it's communist party communist agenda anti-capitalism anti-white um racial divide let's destroy burn the sucker down obama that'll do it for us tonight that's right until Until tomorrow. tomorrow stay safe god bless have a great evening this is the global star radio network